We're here with context of the Forgotten Jam, the White House family, Jarverland, Jazz Massages, Candy Miami, Cavemen, Chill Session Friends, Scott Stepp, and many more. How's it going, Conrad? It's pretty good. How are you guys? It's, yeah, it's, good. It, how are you guys doing? Yeah, yeah. Doing all right. Um, yeah. It's funny. I, I think... Well, it's not so much funny, but I think the last time we saw you was Glenn's wedding. Yeah, I mean, that was one of the last social things I did at all. That was yeah, what, yeah, exactly. that was like the week before everything got shut down, right? Yep. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, that was, was a good great, way to go out. to see it. Yeah, good way to yeah. start a new. Yeah. Whoa. We saw, we saw, you know, Con. The, the first email that email correspondence that we ever had? Uh, probably it was like 2011 when I put out my first tape. I think I emailed you guys about writing about it or something. Yeah, on on. exactly. Yeah, no, I, I, we uh, dug up the old emails from uh, November 30th, 2011. Wow. Nice. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, you guys were some of the first people I like knew that outside of like the White House and stuff, or at least that, that I talked to and you know messaged in that way. Oh wow, um, that's awesome. Yeah, I was gonna say I um, I also like so yeah I, I remember that I remember Glenn wrote about uh, I believe it was every everything in context. Yeah. Um, and then we actually we met you in person at the day, on June twenty fifth, two thousand thirteen. Whoa, you have the exact date. Yeah, I don't I don't remember the date, but yeah, it was at is that Eugene O'Neill's in like Forest yeah. Hills, right? Because exactly. uh, Jeff Jeff Summers used to work there. Yeah, Jeff was the bartender that day, and yeah, we were. Um, you know, it's actually kind of wild. Like, uh, you know, we we'd been going to shows for like you know few years by that point like like uh, local shows but um we hadn't made it out to jp yet and I, I think that was like my first time in jp like ever oh nice yeah yeah yeah, yeah it was so cool i like went to meet uh the, my girlfriend at the time was was there having lunch or something and i met her and was like talking to jeff and he's like oh do you know these guys it was glenn and chris from kids like you and me it's like oh yeah i know you know you guys you guys uh, i messaged you about my tape <laughs> yeah awesome. yeah exactly yeah, it it's wild. I mean, that was over seven and a half years ago. It's just kind of, I don't know, yeah, it's just kind of crazy. Like, yeah, I think we were actually, we had Fat Creeps records on us that we were like, we had just put out that we were dropping off at uh, Deep Thoughts. And that was yes. also the first time I ever went there. Yeah, yeah. Oh, nice. Wow, yeah. A lot of, lot of firsts. Yeah, I also believe we met Ben Katzman for the first time that day. Oh, just, wow. Like, it really was like a... Just a like monumental day in our in our um, history. Nice. Yeah. Um, yeah. So like, actually, I was wondering because yeah, that first that was email that you sent us was the first time I had ever like heard of you or, or met you. When did you? Um, uh, well, so wait. Actually, I can go back a little bit further, but uh, just I'll ask first. When did you move to Boston? I moved to Boston uh, May 2011, okay. May 27th, I think. 
Wow. Yeah, I originally lived in Somerville. Uh, my uncle lived there, still lives there. I lived in a house in his place, and uh, I had a friend from high school who lived near there, and I like helped him with uh, this like art project he was working on for the the SMFA. Where actually I met crazily enough uh, Victoria Shen through <laughs> through them like way back then. Uh, oh wow! Yeah, like uh, her and her boyfriend at the time were working on the project with my friend Dave from high school, and I came up to they had like a whole exhibit someplace in like back bay or something and that was the first thing i did in boston okay okay cool yeah i yeah i didn't realize that i mean maybe you told me at some point i'm not sure but i i was really from the white house or like at least initially and that i i didn't know you lived in somerville actually before that yeah it was just for like three months basically i like i said i lived with my uncle and was kind of trying to see what was going on and you know, the local music scene kind of dipped my toes in. And uh, I ended up at the White House, uh, which was just perfect luck, basically. I uh, went to Weirdo Records one day because I was just kind of like walking around trying to figure out where cool stuff was. And that seemed like a place where there was cool stuff. Uh, and so I went in there and I was, you know, looking around and I asked uh, Angela Sawyer, who was working there, uh, you know, like what, where do I find out about, you know, cool stuff around town or any shows or anything like that? And she gave me a copy of the, the Boston Compass and I emailed Sam and started talking to him and helping him out with the Compass at that time and met all the people at the White House through that. Oh, wow. That, that, that's awesome. I just love that little, like, I love the fact that those are all, like, essentially things that are pre-internet. Yeah, you know I mean? yeah, <laughs> like, it really was. was. 2011, but yeah. you know, what I mean? even though it was 2011, but it just makes it like I don't know. It just sort of like the it, could it just sort of transcend time. Yeah, yeah, in a very analog path to the White House for sure. Yeah, no, I, that's awesome. Um, yeah, and uh, so I mean, exactly. It's like sort of show you sort of see like how just there with like the with the compass and weirdo records and, and like the white house that's all just kind of part of the underground music scene in boston i think those are all like good representations oh of yeah the underground scene, especially at that time but you know it's just even in, in recent memory um yeah. was i gonna say like oh with the white house it's funny like i, I we again I wasn't, we didn't go there until 2013, but I heard about that. Um, I think we heard about it in like 2010 or something, just because it it is such a like landmark, you know? Yeah, yeah, it was in the Boston Globe or something like that. It was like an article um, about the White House. Oh, wow. Yeah, see, I didn't, I didn't know. I really just kind of lucked. I really got lucky. I just happened to go to Weirdo Records and meet Angela and get directed to Sam and, you know, started talking to him. And he was like, oh, you should come out to this house that I live at. Uh, you know, we have shows here. And I remember, I very clearly remember the first time I went to the White House. Actually, uh, timely enough, uh, the first act I think I ever saw play at the White House was Jeff Breeze, who died recently. Oh, shit, yeah. Rest in peace, yeah. Jeff Breeze. 
yeah i remember i went out to the show because sam had recommended coming out there and i remember frank hurricane was one of the first people i met and it was it was just an unforgettable experience meeting him and foam and sam and everybody and yeah yeah frank hurricane's pretty uh unforgettable absolutely oh yeah he's (laughs) he's the best i i love frank yeah absolutely that was actually a I may have told you this before, but that, uh, Hurricanes of Love was our first house show. We ever oh, nice. Attended. Yeah, he was actually yeah. who, who had suggested I email you guys about my tape. He was, you know, he, I think he had been communicating with you or something. And, and he was like, brother, you should send, send your tape to these guys, you know? Uh, so, yeah, that's awesome. Yeah, we, yeah, we wrote about him uh, a few times and, like, uh, you know, posted some of his stuff. Uh, I remember, yeah, because I remember writing about that show. The first one we saw um, from Frank, it was like, it was at the this house called the Dirty Douglas in Lowell. And, um, you yeah, know, you know, Frank Hurricane at the time was based out of Atlanta and he was on tour. Oh, yeah. Um, but we didn't know who he was or anything. It was just, I was going to UMass Lowell at the time and it's like, oh, okay, this, uh, heard about this house show. And, and uh, you know, rest is history, but perfect introduction, definitely. <laughs> oh, yeah, I mean, I jumped, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I mean, especially, I imagine for you seeing that at the White House, and then, obviously, then you go on to live there. Yeah, it worked out so perfect. I mean, as, as soon as I, you know, had been there, I was like, this is a place I need to hang out and, and be around. It was just, I, I don't know, it's hard to describe the just the, the feeling there it was just a it was a great place and I just immediately felt like I fit in and started going and hanging out there and then it just worked out that a few months later a room was opening up and I got to move in and it was the best experience yeah that's awesome uh, so just to rewind a, a little bit uh yeah you know it's just a um get back to well we can get back to the white house in a bit i was curious when you got into music in general you know just from like being a fan or even when you started playing yeah um i i've always kind of written songs like all the way back to when i was a kid like i have a recording uh of myself when I was 10, when I came to visit my uncle who lives in Somerville, cause he played in bands and stuff, still plays in, in bands around around town and stuff. Uh, and I came to visit him for like a, a week after Christmas or something like that. And it was, it was a really cool experience at the time. Cause you know, he was like the cool uncle who was into, you know, music and stuff. Uh, yeah. And he had a, a four track and him and one of his bandmates recorded like a, a four track of this song I'd written at the time called Baseball. And I, I don't know where it is anymore, but I, I want to find that sometime. But uh, I'd love to hear that. Oh yeah, it's great. It's like, you're walking down the street, just playing with your baseball, baseball, baseball. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. So yeah, I've, I've kind awesome. of, yeah, I've kind of always written songs and I just didn't really know what to do with them or I, I you know I sort of knew rudimentary guitar growing up but it wasn't really till like college that I really like, like got down to it and like taught myself how to play guitar like somewhat confidently uh, 
so I'd always written songs and always kind of wanted to to play music and and start bands with friends, but it's just I didn't really know anybody growing up who wanted to be in bands or at least wanted to be in the kinds of bands that I would want to be in. Like I knew people who were in like like hardcore bands or like metal bands or like uh, like white boy reggae bands, <laughs> but like I didn't. There wasn't really anybody doing. I don't know, just what I kind of wanted to do. And I would always, you know, kind of be bugging my friends to try to start bands with me, but they never, they never really would. Uh, and so, yeah, that, that was part of the reason I moved to Boston 2011 was just to be around someplace where there was things happening. Like, you know, I, I had uh, friends in my hometown, you know, I went to shows that were like, hardcore shows at like the local Knights of Columbus and stuff like that, that I would, sure. I would go to. And I played one house show ever in, in that, in Oswego, Oswego, New York, where I'm from, uh, before I moved. It was just like some friends I knew had a house that they were having a show at and we had kind of been jamming a little bit. And so we just like, we opened the show and just did like mostly like covers and like a couple of songs I had written and like a song that one of them had written and it was just like we didn't have a name or anything it was just but it was yeah it was fun and that was probably the only show i'd played before moving to boston oh wow. did you go to school in new york you go (laughs) did you go to college in new york as well yeah yeah i went to to suny oswego uh in oswego new york where i grew up uh which kind of was not a whole lot of fun because you know everybody kind of hates their hometown at a certain point and then Mm -hmm. (laughs) and then going to college there and it not really being a place where a whole lot is going on it was just like i was i was ready to get out gotcha in in that in that period when when you were starting to you know really pick up the guitar and and stuff um what, what were was there anyone that you were looking any bands you were looking up to or you know obsessing uh i'm yeah. I mean, for me at that time, for most of my life was Bob Dylan was like a big, you know, I mean, as far as like learning songs and guitar, a lot of those are pretty, pretty easy to learn and, and get mm-hmm. start on. And, uh, you know, when I was in college, stuff like Neutral Milk Hotel and stuff, which, you know, uh, I feel like for people our age, it's kind of like that can kind of be kind of hit or miss whether people like it or not. But uh, for the time, that was a hugely influential thing for me That's like cool. learning those songs and stuff like that yeah i've never gotten into them it's not like i like i haven't gotten into them meaning like i i don't i listened to it and i didn't like it i just it just i, I don't think i've ever like listened to them or if i have it i didn't remember it so uh it, but it's one of those names that like always comes up though so i do you want to check them out yeah i mean they're they're good it's like you, you know if you can come at it with fresh eyes and not recognize you know not think about it as like a band that you hear people talk about a lot right i don't know it, for me when i was 16 it, it seemed to open a lot of kind of sonic doors being like oh wow you can have like kind of traditional songwriting but lots of like weird stuff going on in the background and kind of like a more searching spirit to it i don't know <laughs> i've listened to it in a while but i i feel like every time i do i'm like oh this this kind of still holds up yeah, no, totally. Yep. Um, it is awesome that we like 
especially when you're young and you hear that. I mean, you don't have to be young necessarily, but you know what I mean, where it's like you hear like a band where it sort of opens the doors in your head that you didn't you didn't even know like certain things even existed. Oh, um, yeah. I, yeah. Yeah. I had a lot of those, especially being in, you know, from kind of a small town. It was just like, because I would discover a band and I wouldn't know anybody else who knew them. So it was, it was yeah. a very weird kind of insular experience like that. Yeah. Well, and it's like, I mean, I don't know, even like for, I think for Glenn as well, but I know for me, like when I first heard Daniel Johnston, I just like, I had never heard anything like that before. Oh yeah. I mean, things like that were very big as far as like making me realize that I could play and record music. Like, you know, cause Daniel Johnston, I mean, those songs are amazing, but it's, you know, it, it's clearly just very DIY and you yeah. know it's like oh okay I, I could record I could record like this <laughs> you know yeah no, totally. that's cool yeah so just to go back to the White House oh yeah um so well, yeah well, I mean I know we know some of the bands like uh obviously you were making music at that time in 2011 and like Frank Hurricane um and a number of people what were some of the other bands that were like on the white house family record label and people that you lived with or played with oh god okay i i can go through a bunch of these uh i mean easier than me frank uh there's peace loving which was uh uh foam arkham foam uh kate lee uh it kind of had a, a revolving cast through the years but at that time it was in a really kind of cool thing where they could kind of alternately be a kind of folk country band and like a noise chaos performance thing and it was it was really cool but at that time it was kind of like uh, foam kate morgan shaker uh poncho the kid uh and b law who lives there at the time uh, uh brian lawler uh and uh that was one of the bands there was also uh needy visions were still kind of a thing at that time this, oh yeah uh, san patricus's band uh, he also had Welcome Home, which was like a kind of folk country trio with him, uh, Charlotte Huffman and Poncho the Kid. Uh, there was Dinners, which is Jimmy Hughes. Uh, there was uh, Chris North uh, and his, his various bands that he had. Uh, let's see, I'm trying to remember. Shy Ehrlichman, uh, he was there. He performed solo. He also had been huge face for a while, kind of really cool, like power pop stuff. Um, Poncho the Kid solo, obviously. Uh, Arkham Foam solo. Uh, one of the one of the truly best performers. <laughs> uh, like I like that was. It was just a special time to be there, just living there, and just every night there'd be some show, and it could be all over the place, from like a, a rock band and some noise thing and a folk thing, and it was just like all stuff you'd never heard before and some of it would just totally blow your mind it was it, it was just a great time yeah that, that's awesome that sounds just, like a good blend uh, again yeah exactly yeah it sounds like a nice blend of all the different like styles and um not that i didn't think that anyway mm -hmm. it just I, a lot of times my mind sort of i think when i think of what i was often thinks of like kind of like kind of like weird or avant-garde or noise stuff and that's certainly a part of it but oh yeah it's like you know more even more than that but um yeah it's it's funny too it's like glenn and i have talked about this before but uh you know it, you know it's like there's like the different uh 
scenes in Boston and everything, but the general like underground Boston scene that we all sort of float around and you know, it's it, there's a lot of overlap in different towns, but I feel like, you know, especially like JP kind of has its own, you know, sort of nook and, and you know, definitely White House was like a big part of that. But um I don't know if you know you know what I mean? Like that 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 sort of that, Yeah, for a yeah. while it was actually kind of funny for a while when I lived there, we would just have all these different kind of like improv offshoot projects that were some permutation of like foam, Mark Johnson, me, a few other people that we'd like would jokingly call it the JP sound. And it was just, just kind of like free improv on whatever we could find. <laughs> but yeah, it was kind of tying together all that stuff. Cause it was, that, that's what was great about it. It's like, I don't, it's, I love going to a show where, there's a noise band and a like a folk trio and a rock band and and, and everybody is cool with all of it. I don't know. Yeah, yeah. totally. I agree. Yeah. I mean, it it's weird. It's like sometimes it doesn't always work out necessarily, but I I like that as well. And I think especially in this space like the White House, that's that's like perfect for that too. Um, oh yeah. Or any just even like in general house shows, I think are like perfect for that and. Um, I think, you know, I think should be shaken up more. I mean, I, that's one thing that I feel like for like both Glenn and me, and I'm, I'm sure you feel the same way. That was like one thing I always felt like with um, certain houses, especially more in the last few years, they were, it was just too much of like, not even necessarily the same, but just too much, like kind of like normie stuff, you know? Yeah. Or just like all, all the same stuff yeah it's well it's because the scene kind of got like segmented at, at some point i feel like kind of around the time a lot of the house venues got got broken up there yeah. but like yeah. kind of after that it became a lot more like segmented like this house does this kind of shows and this house does this kind of shows whereas before it was just like a, a show at the white house or gay gardens it could be five different bands that sounded completely different every night you know yeah, that's a great point. I I noticed that just looking at the old compasses and just just seeing how many, you know, yeah, just bands would be playing at all the different houses. They weren't only playing at one place. And yeah, that seemed really cool. So I'm glad that Yeah, I mean that was yeah, glad you got to do that. Got to experience that. Yeah, that was really kind of a, a special time. I feel like people talk about that I feel like I've even heard people on your podcast kind of talk about that how like that kind of like 2011 2012 2013 period was kind of like a a very special time with the house venues in Boston where it was all all that sort of stuff lots of stuff going on all the time and different stuff and everybody kind of intermingling and, and working with each other it was it was a great time yeah totally and you were right in the middle of it too so i'm always that's why i always love hearing your perspective on it because you actually you lived at the white house and were playing oh all yeah these shows. um yeah i mean because we um like we existed at that time and everything and we were going out to shows but not as much at the time and like i said i also lived in lowell at, at that time and so we kind of didn't really come in totally until like later you know so like um so it's like it's weird because I feel like you know it's like we saw some of those those bands and some of those shows, but we didn't totally 
like as heavily involved yet. So yeah, it's, we didn't it's, know it's as weird. many of the people that were yeah. that were yeah, behind the music. Yeah. I feel I feel like we could pop in at some shows, but we I don't really know if we knew a ton of people. Yeah, not yeah. too much yet. And that's why we're, I think we're also just so fascinated by it too, is that we kind of like caught a little bit of the tail end of that sort of, or like as it morphed into, you know, what happened in the next few years. Um, yeah. But, you know, like, you know what I mean? It's because it's always that classic thing people have of like, um, you know, it's like, oh, I never saw the cramps in 79 or something or whatever. I never got to see, yeah. uh, you know, whatever. I never got to see like, you know, the Ramones and CBGBs, whatever it is, you know, that it's like way far, like so disconnected, but it's so weird. Cause like for us, we were like, it's like, we were kind of, it's like, we went to a couple, we went to a few gay garden shows, but then when you talk to people and they're like, no, there were like tons of shit going on. And it's like, yeah, yeah I mean, so, like, we didn't we didn't get all of it, but we were kind of like born in that era, sort of. <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah, that's I was gonna ask if you'd ever been to Gay Garden. So I feel like that that house really kind of like personified, if that's the right word, like kind of that that whole vibe where it was just kind of total chaos, but like yeah. there was kind of a faith that it was that it was good and and things were going right. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, we went to two shows there. Or I went to two shows, and then Glenn went to three shows there. So we caught a few of them, but, you know, like, uh, we saw, like, uh, Fat History Month in Sarah Lee there, and nice. we saw Sarah Lee there a couple times, and Gorilla Toss was playing one of them with, like, Happy Jawbone and Rotten Apples and uh, oh, Jack yeah. Oh, yeah, but, Gorilla uh, Toss played there all, I mean, they were, like, yeah. essentially that house band, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, well, we actually missed them that night, but uh, but we like it was just like the other thing. But I, I remember from just the sh shows we went to, and just in general, like uh, talking to people, was that the shows would go so so much later that uh, we actually only caught Sarah Lee, and then we had to make the train ride home. Oh yeah, because that was very like that. It, yeah, that time very much existed on punk time. I feel like too, or like shows <laughs> would just would, yeah. wouldn't start till like ten, ten thirty or something. Yeah, no, I remember it was like I was like, oh come on, let's you know, because we got we would. I mean, we used to get the shows like we still do, but like especially back then, like like so early. So we were there, I think, for like two or three hours before any. Oh yeah. <laughs> oh yeah, I always remember. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, you guys. Yeah, you showed up early, you had your 30 back, you guys yeah. were there to chill. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I still love doing that. The, just, uh, oh, it's you know, great. Just, it's, 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 yeah. you, you have a whole vibe. It's your personality, you know? <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, oh, man. So, it, it's weird. So, like, talking about, because like you, you said, and it's true, we've talked to a lot of people, and we have really a lot of times that, like 2011, 12, 13, even starting to get more closer to um, even, you know, I mean, at a certain point, it, it kind of, it depends where someone kind of draws the line and where sort of goes into more like other fragments of the, the local scene. But, but it has come up a lot because like, like, I mean, like we said, we didn't really get all of it, but I mean, we got a taste and that really like drove us Board, and especially like bands like Fat Creeps, the Meat Gorilla Toss, only saw them a, like a handful of times, but just even those handful of times was like monumental. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's weird. It's like on one hand, I I think it, it 
I, I don't, I, I would, I want people to like still really be excited by what's happening in the present. Maybe not exactly the present right now, but you know what I mean? <laughs> right. Yeah, um, yeah. But like, it, you know, and not focus too much on the past, but at the same time, it, it really was an incredible time with like, you know, just based on what I saw and just even the bands and everything. So it's, I don't know. I think uh, that's why a lot of times we ask people, certain stuff like I was saying like the White House bands or whatever because I you know would like people to hear who they are and then look them up ideally <laughs> oh yeah I mean I didn't even scratch the surface there were because I mean I was there for like three years there were dozens of people there over the years yeah I have a question was, was it related and do you find that all con that even back then age didn't really matter like were, were people living in the white house of all ages or would you say were they mainly younger because it seems i don't uh, know if it, it seems like people were like back then there could be like people in their 30s or in their late 20s at that time like be more active than the people that are in their that same age like now i don't even know if that makes sense yeah no i mean it was definitely kind of all ages i mean when i moved there like a lot of the people were still there that had been at the White House kind of from the beginning. So there were like some older people. And I feel like the White House always maybe trended a little bit older than the scene in general. But yeah, I feel like there have always been people, you know, involved from, you know, teenage up through, yeah, their 40s or 50s or, I mean, Walter White or Walter Wright, excuse me. Uh, <laughs> yeah, I got it. But yeah, Walter Wright performed there all the time. He's in his seventies, you know. That's awesome. Right. Uh, wow. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, it's awesome. Yeah, I definitely felt um, with like the White House too that it, it seemed to stand out a lot more, um, just in my experience, than a lot of the other houses as far as like the people who were in attendance. That would be you know more like actually like invested into the shows and just part of the scene that, that you know with sometimes with houses maybe more in like Austin it, it's it's kind of a mixed bag it's not that necessarily people are all like insincere just that it's you know you know people might just be there because it's like yeah it's like a thing to do it's a party yeah yeah exactly yeah yeah exactly yeah we, um, yeah the White House it's like you know it was a party a lot of the time but it never that wasn't I feel like the the thrust of it like it was almost kind of a family vibe a lot of the time I, I can't yeah. you know like even count the number of times because uh, a lot of the time I worked there I, or lived there I worked at the the Blanchards down the street the liquor store and I would get out of work at 11 and come home and it would just it was it was great it was just there'd be a show in progress but it would just kind of be all friends somebody maybe a lot of times somebody would like cook dinner there'd be dinner you know it was just like it, it was a very it was a very special special place in time I feel like yeah totally um and even with uh um with Black Lodge in Alston because I know you you live there yeah um very different like vibe uh it would, it would appear at least from the outside and um uh, but like similar thing at least to me where it seemed like a lot of times people going out to black lodge shows um were there like really you know really more for the for the shows and, and more like just interested in the actual like music scene like see, people you'd see at other shows um yeah. 
you know what I mean? And because I, again, I didn't necessarily feel that way with, uh, you know, with other houses. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I mean, I think it's the extent to which there's kind of a community built around. I mean, the Black Lodge had that too, is, you know, it was a different community than the White House, but it was, there was certainly like a group of people that were regulars and friends of the bands and, you know, a number of people there were in bands. So it was, it was, you know, not, not as much of like a family vibe per se as like the White House, but very much a community vibe. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Um, So I have to ask you about um, Scott Stapp. (laughs) And I never, I never end up, I I never saw Scott Stapp, uh, the band Scott Stapp, but uh, I have to ask you, well, first off, if anyone doesn't know Scott Stapp, you should, they should look Google Scott Stapp. Google uh, shock rockumentary, one word. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, uh, Wait, I, uh, oh, you have to send me that sometime. I've actually never seen the the, the documentary. Oh yeah, it's a it's a, a twelve minute like mini documentary that uh, Foam Arkham Foam made of a tour uh, we did together. It was uh, Bang Bros, which is like a noise duo that was uh, Foam and Mark Johnson, and actually Andy Allen was playing sax with them on that tour, uh, and and Scott Stapp, and we toured together down to INC, the International Noise Conference in Miami, and. Yeah, and Foam made this 12-minute, like, mini-documentary, and it's one of my favorite things I've been a part of, but it's also just totally insane. <laughs> That's awesome. So that was the Scott Stapp band. Uh, when did, uh, did y'all play out a lot in, in Boston as well? I think we we played, like, maybe a handful of shows in Boston. Really not that many. I feel like when that tour happened, we'd only played two or three shows. Uh, Our first show was, we set up at the White House, basically, just because Frank and I had come up with the concept. Oh, wait, actually, yeah, explain the concept. I was going to say, if you're you're listening and don't know, Scott Stapp was me and Frank Hurricane, and we would kind of do, like, yarled out, like, Stappian was our our adjective, kind of like, like like butt rocked out versions of like 90s butt rock songs just like the chorus or the hook of them and just like in a super sort of way and then we would just like smash stuff uh which really that only became part of the thing during that tour when we ran originally we played instruments we had like weird little kind of like noise instruments but we broke those and then it just became part of the concept of the band that we smashed things it's awesome (laughs) But uh, yeah, the, the our first show we booked at the White House just because Frank and I had come up with the concept of the band and wanted to do a show, and uh, and then I don't I don't remember who I think Santiago might have played that show even or as Ronnie Nordak, uh, but it was just kind of thrown together, and then we did another show at Gay Gardens because uh, Pete from GTOS was putting together like a comedy show, like I. I think that band Holy Sheet from Brooklyn was doing like a comedy tour at the time or something. I remember they all like did stand-up sets. It was kind of interesting. Uh, and then, and we played that show. I think Colton Leper also, that might've been one of Colton Leper's first shows too, which was another band from around here a while ago. But uh, yeah, we, I think we might've only played those two shows before uh, Foam and Mark asked us to go on tour with them. Yeah. 
Awesome. Yeah. Uh, so what were some of the songs that you uh, did? Oh, I mean, uh, with Arms Wide Open, uh, you know, uh, Higher by Creed, uh, Black Hole Sun. Uh, we would do like little mashups too. Like we had one where uh, I would go like, well, you gotta go and make things so complicated. And then Frank would go, come on and crash into me, girl. So uh, that's awesome. It was, it was just, I mean, we just watched a bunch of butt rock music videos and threw together a set, basically. That's awesome. Uh, <laughs> one yeah. of a kind. And yeah, yeah. So you played the International Noise Conference. Yes. I mean, I, okay. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, I've been. I, I've seen videos of, of some of those. Or actually, there was one in where they brought it on tour. Oh yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. And they went Boston. Yeah, with it. But um, yeah. was that in twenty? 13 or 2014 I don't, I don't remember when that was. there was one in 2016 oh, okay but i feel like they did other one they may have done it another time too um yeah so what was that like this, and this was what uh 2013 no? yeah so, yeah this would have been 2013 okay uh, the one in yeah you went to the actually the one at like original one in miami yes yeah i went to the one in miami yeah we toured down there's Bangros and Scott Stapp and kind of along the way we picked up like Tracy Trance toured with us and stuff it was a it was a very fun time uh and yeah the INC is, is great it's at uh, Churchill's in Miami uh which is just this insane bar that stays open till like 5 a.m or at least it does for that I don't know if it always does uh and yeah and it's just like it's like 300 noise acts from all over the world and it's just wow. 15 minute set after 15 minute set just all day all night like from like i want to say 3 or 4 p.m until 3 or 4 a.m and it yeah it's it's, it's an experience it sounds pretty wild um but yeah i was always i'm fascinated by the international noise Check conference yeah and like uh i mean it's funny it's like one of those things where with a lot of stuff for a lot of times we're, we're, we're not really as knowledgeable perhaps as we appear, but we're very like curious and fascinated by a lot of stuff, especially like, uh, weirder stuff. Oh, um, yeah. And that's what I love about you guys is you're very open to, to any and all, any and all things. Yeah, man. Yeah. At least like to give it a chance or something. Definitely stuff that's definitely like the weirder something gets or more like, amateur um off more often than not for us is like it's like the better um but you know yeah. i mean also there's lots of stuff i like that's you know perfectly like you know uh conventional i just uh yeah, yeah. um it's weird it's like the noise fest thing that we uh did which by the way uh i would love someday for scott stapp to play uh a noise fest Oh, we should, we should. It's, yeah, it's, I always, whenever Frank is, is coming and playing in town, I always think about it. We've, we've done it, like, I think a couple years ago, he was going to be in town and we set it up and we did a, a Scott Stapp sh uh, set. I forget who else was playing that show, but it was a Deep Thoughts. It was, oh, it was, I think I know. Yeah. I think it was, it was like, negative one play. Yes, they did. Yes, they did. And I think that's why I, we wanted to do it because we had been thinking about doing it and Shawnee always talks about how he 
we love Scott Stapp, so we wanted to do it with them. <laughs> yeah, no, it's. I remember uh, that because uh, I would have been at that show, but we we had a show that same night at the Leap Pad. Oh, uh, okay, yeah, <laughs> that'll happen. Oh well, but uh, but yeah, um, I was gonna say. Uh, well, speaking of like noise fest, just go off into like a different territory territory um it's funny you and glenn i believe were in the cavemen at the same time yeah yeah i played like two shows with them i think and yeah one of them was that the halloween show that, mm-hmm. that we played together yes i remember yeah, that yeah. 2015 yeah yes that sounds about right yeah i remember yeah i remember playing but yeah that was cool because you, you you played sitting down with uh the slide kind of thing or am i misremembering yeah yeah no that's that that was what i did that was kind of a, a thing i would do for for a while with bands i was able to kind of work that it's kind of like a untuned beat up guitar that i would kind of slide bottles around on to make kind of like a weird noise yeah. slide guitar sound yeah, yeah that was, those are really fun shows with the caveman the band, the band is awesome yeah, excellent band. I think that was my favorite like incarnation of the game. Oh wow! Yeah, wow. yeah, they did a lot okay. after that. Oh, what's that? Oh, I was just saying, yeah, they did a lot after that too. So that's that's saying a lot. Yeah, I mean, uh, it was just um, well, yeah. I mean, there was definitely a different. Uh, I mean, I think what they, yeah, it's weird. They, I mean, they, I, I've really liked all all the different like eras, so to speak. But I think that was when it was like the most chaotic. Yeah. I mean, I do love that style of just chaos rock. I feel like that's a very distinct <laughs> genre that I I love. Sometimes they'll just be at a house show or a noise show or something and it'll just be just people just going insane on their instruments. And that is, I, to an extent, Johnny and the Food Masters kind of has that magic. It's like a little bit more, you know, formatted, but it's, it it has that chaos to it that I love. <laughs> ah, thanks. I like that uh, term, chaos. I mean, what's about, yeah, oh, yeah, that's. I chaos. would describe that candy Miami. I feel like kind of. Oh yeah, totally. Treaded candy. those waters a little bit. Yeah. Well, there was a great show uh, that was at Black Lodge. That's like one of the best to this day. I I've been to was Food Masters, Cavemen, Birthing Hips, Candy Miami, and Steam Tractor. Oh yes, I remember that show. Yeah, yeah, that was before I lived at the Black. That was I. I feel like I didn't even. I wasn't even like that familiar with the Black Lodge yet at that point. And yeah, that was that was a fun show. Yeah, totally. Um, yeah, yeah. Foodmasters. That show. There was two drummers and two bass players. Yes, <laughs> yes. I remember because I didn't really. I knew of Foodmasters at that time, but that might have been the first time I saw Foodmasters. And I just remember it just sounding like total chaos. And then just like realizing that Ben was like singing Be My Baby or something. And I was like, oh my God, this is the best thing I've ever heard. <laughs> well, yeah, that, that's part of what I uh, think uh, makes it um, such a chaotic band is that it really is, you know, coming from, is, things come from all sort of different directions. Um, yeah. You know what I mean? And so there's like a lot of, uh, I don't know, you know what I mean? Because there's a lot of great like noise stuff and a lot of great you know rock and roll bands and and then you know, but a lot of you know a lot of that times those you know there's people coming from like with the same sort of goal, yeah. or, you know, 
and artistic vision. Yeah. And uh, I'm not really sure if that's true of food masters, <laughs> you know, and so it's so chaotic, which is a blessing in disguise. In a lot of ways. Oh, yeah. I mean, I, it's that's to me i think part of the beauty of it is just like it's just this huge shambling thing where it's like there there is there's control and there's chaos and it's just walking that tightrope is when, when bands are able to actually walk that tightrope of like there is form here but also it's just complete chaos that that's my jam i yeah, think that's totally. kind of i think that's kind of what made neutral milk hotel going back uh, you know made that appeal to me when i was like 16 this is just okay. like there's kind of like traditional folky sort of songs going on but then there's just like weird soundscapes in the back a lot of the time and stuff and i, I just remember that having a huge effect on me i mean yeah. that makes a lot of sense just looking at your own like discography or the stuff that's on Bandcamp and stuff i've seen you play over the years just like you have you know a lot of stuff like your solo stuff or stuff with Forgotten Jam that's more, um, you know, a little bit more like poppier or um, I don't know, you know what I mean? But more like yeah, a rock. Yeah, like pretty straightforward rock. Yeah. Yeah. And then you have like more chaotic rock and like noise stuff, kind of like, you know, bands like jazz massages and like we said, Scott Stapp and, you know, yes. and like other bands you played in like Jarverland and Candy Miami. So that, that actually, that makes a lot of sense. And even amongst your solo stuff, there's a lot of different genres. Yeah. I mean, that's kind of what I would, in my mind, what I would eventually love to do is just somehow just get that perfect, <laughs> that, that perfect combination of, of form and chaos. Yeah. I mean, I think it's cool. And actually I, I've sort of, I've thought about that myself and I'm always sort of, uh, you know, I, I was kind of would like to see that more in bands, uh, you know, that because it's in general, I'm sort of, I, I feel like, and sounds like probably all three of us, it's the same way that I'm sort of just like always searching for that chaos, because even though there's stuff I enjoy, that eventually, though, a lot of stuff starts to just make sense to me. And then it's like, it's still cool. But then it's like, I need to move on to the next thing and find the new sort of chaotic thing or whatever you know it's exactly. like we said like daniel johnson, you know daniel johnson and you know i mean to this day still sounds pretty wild but you know you're like oh okay like he is making some you know i mean yeah he, he's, he's making conventional pop music it just sounds unconventional yeah exactly uh, i mean it kind of, yeah i mean it kind of varies even not not all, all the time it's conventional but but you know what i mean and then like you hear something like jandek and you're like oh shit but then at least for me, I'm like, well, actually, this, you know, this isn't that weird. And then you see something, it's like, you just yeah. kind of keep, going, you know, whatever. Um, oh, yeah. I mean, Jandek is a great example of that, where, like, the chaos almost is the songwriting. Yeah. Uh, but then, yeah, then when you listen to a bunch of it, eventually you start to realize, like, oh, this kind of fits, like, blues forms a little bit. It's just weird. Yeah. You know? Like, yeah, it's weird. Like, like Captain, Captain Beefheart. Yeah. Captain Beefheart is a great example of that. You know, yeah. someone, or it's just like it sounds like total chaos, but like the more you listen to it, it's like, oh, there's, there's, a, there's actually some form here. Yeah. At the very least, <laughs> yeah. yeah. Like, I feel like there is a lot to most things, which is like, you know, actually, I mean, generally, which makes sense, is I think it's like, you know, obviously, like a lot of, you know, it's also kind of a good thing too, but, uh, but you know, it's weird. It's like because that. 
don't know. It's like that strand of chaos is also, you know, it's just so appealing. To, you know? Yeah. I mean, I, yeah, I don't know. I can't really put my finger on what exactly it is about it, but there's just something about things sounding amateur that I, don't, I, I feel like amateur is even the wrong word, but just yes. like, shh, what was that? No, I, I'm getting excited. I, I know exactly what you're talking about. I, I, yeah, uh, I made a 14 minute YouTube video on this the other day. I'm just oh, well, trying to, I'm trying to, it, it was, I was talking about a Jandek record and I'm, I think I'm trying oh, well. to describe what we're talking about here, but I, I, I yes, like you said, I can't put a finger on it. Yeah, because it's like you, I can detect it in things as like kind of straightforward as like some like Neil Young and Crazy Horse stuff where there's just anything where it feels like it could go off the rails at any second. Oh, I, I love that. <laughs> I think I think that's what it is. It's like music where it's like, like it's together now, but like a second from now, this could all fall apart, mm-hmm. you know? Oh, yeah. No, I like... Um... No, I know exactly me, and even like I think that for a lot of ways is like the appeal to, mm-hmm. at least for me, of like a lot of sort of like garage rock and like punk rock was that, you know, I don't know, in my head, I would a lot of times picture the band, like listen to a record, picture the band playing live, and I kind of pictured like, you know, just people like falling into each other or something or whatever, but then like someone like, like you know, a mic stand falling down or something or like moshing and like a, I don't know, you know, oh, yeah. like someone like coming back, uh, yeah, and like our like the guitar sound, but, you know, I don't know, like getting all muddy or something, but. Oh yeah, like garage rock and like, you know, a lot of punk rock and stuff definitely has, has that feel. Like a lot of the live performances, if, you know, if you watch like some like super punky punk band, it's, you know, it seems like it could just all fall apart at any minute, you know? Exactly. Yeah, no, totally. And it's like, yeah, so then it's like, that's, that's, I think, part of that appeal. And I, I think with like, to the, the amateur point, I think the more, I mean, it all depends, but I feel like the more, you know, people have their shit together, it's like the less likely you might see or experience that, you know, so I mean, I think that's part of like, say like an amateur, you know, band or, or musician or whatever, um, yeah. can kind of like in a, in small ways and small doses can kind of create that vibe without even like having the actual, you know, physical chaos around them. Oh yeah. You know I mean, and the, yeah, I mean, you know I mean, like, yeah, no, I, yeah, I know what you mean. Yeah, it's like, I feel like it's kind of like two different extremes almost because there's like the super kind of amateurish, like garage punk, chaos rock thing. And then eventually, I feel like if you get totally to the other side of really knowing your stuff, there's like free jazz, which is like, That's you know, true. it's like, you know your stuff so well, you're able to make it sound fucked up, you know? That's a great yeah, point. Well, I- I think that's true. Yeah, I mean, yeah. well, like, like Frank Zappa, I mean. Yeah, exactly. You know. Yeah, that, that would be a, an example of that, where it's like, yeah, it's like he knows his stuff so well that there's like 12-minute music concrete pieces at the end of like Mother's albums and stuff. You know? That's wild. So Creed is like in the middle? <laughs> Creed is, <laughs> I, would, I would say they're the, the highest, the virtuosos of the highest order. <laughs> yeah. Well, 
it's funny. I'm I, I'm so fascinated by pop music though that even whether I like it or not, I still am like I just am like fascinated by the like something sticking with people, and that's why I think like whether it whatever it is like you know anything that oh, yeah. you can create something that's memorable, then I think you've at the very least, even if it's shit, like I think you've done something that. Oh know, yeah. You know what I, mean, I mean, and like yeah. Yeah, and like the times when you're when things like that have able been able to cross over that kind of still had an element of the, the kind of chaos falling apart thing. I feel like that's like the, the true magic, <laughs> you know, yeah. like, you know, like, yeah. I feel like a, a, an early example would be like Louis Luai or something where it's just like an enormous yeah. hit, but like total chaos, you <laughs> know. That's true. Um, but yeah, and also I think for like, for all of us and you know anyone that goes out to shows regularly especially when you start i mean you know better times maybe not this might you know in better times this may not occur as much or depending on where you are um you know what scene you're in or whatever like i feel though when you start going out to shows a, a lot it just you start seeing so many bands that things don't really stand out as much to you. So when you do see something that, whether it's like something that's a really amazing musically or something or, or artistically, or just something that was like, what the fuck was that? It, it really, one way or another, it's like it, that stand, I don't know, that, that, that standout quality is to me, is just so necessary to anything being great. You know what I mean? <laughs> oh, for sure. I mean, and that is, I feel like why there are, so many bands i i feel like it probably is universal in a lot of scenes in like underground you know basement shows sort of scenes where there will be bands that you know are just totally crazy like that because there's so many people that go to every basement show and have seen every band a million times and so it is you know kind of a striving for novelty is the wrong word but it's just like it's like, oh, wow, this isn't something I've heard before, <laughs> you know? Yeah. And I feel like mm -hmm. that's why those bands, I feel like, end up appealing to people who aren't that familiar and then people who are just go to every show and not many people in between. <laughs> yeah, and, you know, it's funny, too. And it's like also the more you go to stuff and listen to stuff, because um, I think that's, yeah, I think it's definitely true, um, the more you all, uh, listen to different stuff and go to stuff, I feel like that also, you know, you kind of start to have also more of a, a way of to decipher. I mean, it's obviously going to be subjective from person, to, you know, to person to person, but I think a lot of people can even agree in some, you know, areas, but it's like, you're going to be able to decipher. It's like, all right, so which really stands out to to you? or not you know which it's like you know it's like yeah. maybe this someone doing some avant-garde thing right? it's like you know you might you know it might something might be special and then other times it might be like all right is this just kind of like an art school project that doesn't really quite hit it you know what i mean yeah it's true and it's it's hard you know i feel like that is just a subjective thing i feel like different things totally is yeah, yeah. <laughs> but people differently yeah exactly and it, 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 it totally is and that to me that's that alone right there is also part of like the excitement too and the fun of it you know <laughs> you know oh yeah. yeah oh yeah because yeah like once you acknowledge that it's subjective and this is you know going to be insane it's like the moments 
you know, it's like you kind of go into it expecting that some of it's just going to be weird and not really translate to people. But like, that's why like the moments when it actually does connect, that's, that's the magic. You know, it's like, that's, it's like when, when you're just kind of all just off on different strands and somehow you end up at the same point, that's, that's why, that's why improvising is fun. <laughs> yeah, I mean, totally. It just, just seeing stuff that, uh, at, at the ground level, so to, so to speak, it's like, or just, it's like, I mean, you could see uh, a professional comedian and, you know, they might be great. They might be, they might suck, but they know what they're doing and, you know, and they know how to do it well, one way or another, how to like the execution at least. Or you could go to an open mic night and you never, you don't necessarily know what you're going to expect. I mean, it's probably going to be, you know, a mixed bag, but, but there's that excitement to me at least in, you know, just that, that you don't know what you're going to expect. Oh, exactly. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah. And ideally they're only on for like a few minutes. <laughs> so if they do yes. suck, it's like, okay. And you go to the next person. Yeah. I guess that's another good thing about noise sets is they're usually short. But. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, and that's why Food Masters purposely makes our that's extremely long. <laughs> uh, getting that <laughs> being really uh, real harsh noise after about, <laughs> yeah, yeah. after about fifteen taking minutes. it to a whole other yeah yeah we I think we realized that the Food Masters they we with like we to go on last really most of the time unless it's like either first or last which i know i realize is like a fucking like whatever <laughs> oh no i mean that's i know exactly what you mean and i if i was booking a show with food masters on it yeah also first or last probably last <laughs> yeah last we realize is better uh the only time i think we started yeah definitely i mean um we started to come to that conclusion because we started to feel bad when we realized okay like we you know, if we have other people after us, we can't really clear rooms. And also with the time thing, with the time going on for oh, yeah, extremely yeah. long thing, we, we would do that more like only if we were going on last. We wouldn't be like, I'm not just assholes. And, yeah, uh, I mean, and yeah, there's certain things that have to like, that was a, in Scott Stapp, that was like, it, it became kind of a joke, but we'd always be like, Scott Stapp, only headlines, which we, <laughs> we basically just meant that we had to play last. Which was basically exactly. just, it was just practical because we were like smashing shit on stage and it would have been hard yeah. to hard to play after that. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, yeah, I mean, well, it's kind of, it's it's sort of funny is like uh, Glenn and I like both uh, we stole a line from like Gino and from Gino and the Goons that uh, I think was he was just trying to get people to like dance or whatever. But but it it, it works perfectly in the Foodmaster context. Um, I think I also used it in like uh, the band we did uh, with uh, just Glenn Bryan and me. But I'm like, you know, <laughs> I always we say some variation of like a like we like if we keep playing. Uh, all right, if you don't dance, we keep playing. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. Well, it's just such a great anti, like sort of anti. The, I don't know, showmanship, I guess, or something that like typically you would want people to dance because they want you want people to enjoy. Yeah, if you're literally putting out the threat that if you don't dance, we're gonna keep on playing. So you have to <laughs> dance a little stuff. It's just it's just like a stupid thing to say, but I think it's I don't know. I per, I uh -huh. think it's, 
<laughs> enforced dancing. I like yes. it. <laughs> but uh, you've always been a great sport, and uh, at coming out to food masters and sport and food masters gigs. So. Oh yeah, I mean, I, I I love the I love the whole vibe. I love the style, and yeah, yeah. Uh, well, yeah. So going on, like, sort of similar. I feel like similar bands to that, and like what we've been talking. Uh, you know, um, you played in like, like I said before, Jarvaland and jazz massagers and stuff like that. And um, you know, like, uh, like I guess, how did the? I mean, so I know obviously Jarvaland was a band like before you joined, I guess. But with jazz yeah. massagers, um, like, how did that all come about? Jazz Massagers, I, I guess, also was a band before I was involved. Okay. Elena, yeah, that was a thing. Elena, uh, Elena Stamatis, uh, her and Nick, uh, or in that band, her and Nick Williams, they run Deep Thoughts. Uh, and that was a thing she had done in New York, I think, for a few years, because she used to live in New York. Uh, right. And uh, yeah, I think she had done that for a while with like some of her friends in New York. Actually, just recently, uh, Lindy, my girlfriend, and I watched the uh, that documentary about uh, Death by Audio. Oh, uh, shit, I see that. that came, yeah, it's oh, pretty good. I think it's on awesome. Amazon. Oh yeah, it's it's really sick. You should check it out. And it's mm-hmm. it, at different points they'll like scroll their schedule for different time periods. <laughs> You're just like constantly like pausing and be like, oh wow, that band, that band. But uh, I just remember seeing jazz massagers on one of those. Like oh wow, like the original like Elena version, uh-huh. like the New York version of, of jazz massagers. Uh, played a death by audio but uh yeah so that had been a thing for a while that she had done and then it kind of became her project in boston when she was here kind of like a an outlet for kind of like her like comedy performance uh you know uh, poetry that, that she does and uh like and it kind of gradually like nick would back her up and then a, a different group and then eventually it kind of became the group that it that it became where it was kind of the, the usual cast was like her me nick uh andrew prouty was kind of a regular uh, travis long uh uh sophie was, the, was was in and out uh and yeah it's just kind of a a free improv thing where we back up elena who who reads her poetry they're kind of like kind of like structured almost like stand-up comedy or something and it's, it's really fun it's just kind of like we pretend to play jazz uh, to back up her her set. Yeah, because um, <laughs> I don't really know how to play jazz, but it's fun to, <laughs> fun to pretend. Yeah, and uh, I've seen Vamela play jazz massages. Well, that's right, Vamela plays a lot too. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No, it's good crew, and I've seen y'all play a, a few times. Uh, I, that was one of the the few shows I. <laughs> saw this year before the shit hit the fan oh yeah yeah i'm glad i at least got some shows in this year <laughs> um wanted to ask you as a as a huge fan of the grateful dead and fish like yeah. i'm always curious too you know because with those two bands i don't know people are obviously obviously such committed fans very uh, i'll try to put this in a succinct way okay so what what is the appeal i guess like yeah what's what's the in your your, i guess in your words uh what's like what's the appeal of the grateful dead or fish or both 
Uh, I mean, honestly, it, it's a lot, it's similar to a lot of things we've been talking about with DIY communities, really. Like, uh, it's, it's a, a community feeling that you don't really get with other bands, fan bases, where there is, I mean, as, as weird and disparate as it, as it is, it, it, there is a, a feeling of community there. So that's like the, the kind of the, the social aspect of it is the community thing and kind of a, a freedom that, that is allowed uh, and musically, it's kind of like what we were talking about uh, with, with like chaos rock. I mean, because I mean, essentially, what I'm referring to is chaos rock is improv, in, you know, is improv, is improvisation. Uh, and they, those two bands, do that better than almost, than I would say, any rock bands that that have existed. Uh, I mean, because that's like I was talking about with like improvising. It's like everybody's kind of off on their own disparate strands, like, you know, in like a dead jam or something. They're all kind of doing their own things, but the moments when they all hit on the same thing are truly, they can just, there can just be magic there. I, you know, I, I can get like goosebumps just like thinking about some different times when it's just like, you know, there's no way they all could have known to do this at the same time, but it's just something alchemical in the air or some sort of just, you know, unspoken communication thing and they all just hit it at the same time and those are the real moments uh th yeah those are just they're the two best improvisational rock bands for my money that have ever existed i mean because that's the thing is like I, a lot of i tell people a lot i'm not necessarily someone who's into jam bands per se i just like bands that are really good at what they do uh and I, those right. two those two bands just you know like a fish i've been to dozens of fish shows and you know there's just that there's an expectation that you know a lot of it is improvising and it's just a band like that where it's been the same four guys in that band for 35 years now and so they you know they've played together you know hundreds of times a year for 30 years and they just have this thing where it's like they'll be often a totally, you know, abstract improvisation and one person will like hit one note and instantly you'll hear the other three guys all react to that and kind of move in that direction at the same time. And it's this, it's, uh, yeah, that feeling with improvisation where it's just like, it's hard to explain because you can't really quantify it, but it's, it's just like the, these moments of like something alchemical or just, intangible where it's it's about the environment and it's about the ambience and it's about i i for lack of a better word it's a spiritual connection <laughs> i mean that might yeah. sound kind of like kind of pie-eyed but it's that that really is kind of what it boils down to i can see what you're saying there i i actually never was really into the grateful dead up until uh the past few years i I, I really, I haven't quite gone to, uh, you know, a huge fan level and I can only, I can't really name the songs, but I do like tossing on the live, some live sets on YouTube and I can, I really appreciate it. I, ne I never thought I would. Yeah, it, it, it's great. I mean, and it's just, and every time is different. I mean, that's kind of what got me attracted to the dead in the first place and really getting into them. Cause honestly, I wasn't that huge of a deadhead until five six seven years ago 
uh, I was at the White House when the, that process really started to happen. It was just like, I had kind of gotten to a point where all of my favorite bands, I had listened to all of their albums a hundred times and knew every note and was kind of just like looking for something new and exciting and that I hadn't heard before. And, you know, The Dead, I, you know, I'd listened to a decent amount. I knew some of the records and stuff like that but I hadn't really explored the the live stuff. And it was that realization of just like, oh wait, my other bands have like, you know, my other favorite bands have like four or five albums or, you know, however many albums. And that's kind of it as far as like released material. Whereas with The Dead, it's almost all of their shows are on the internet somewhere and every version of every song is totally different. So it's like, you can almost think of each show as a different album and it's perfect. Then that would, it was down the rabbit hole from there. <laughs> wow. How many times have you seen each band? Uh, well, the Dead, I mean, I've only really, I saw the three Fairly Well shows in Chicago in 2015. And that was actually, I think, my first time seeing any Dead-related project. Uh, and then I've seen Dead & Co. three or four times now. I mean, they're not like, it's something that's, you know, it's nice to see. It's cool to see the the remaining members of the Grateful Dead play and stuff, but it's not like something I feel a need to like follow around the country or see or every show or anything. And plus, it, you know, it's John Mayer. <laughs> I don't know. Yeah. Like, you know, it's like I've, I've gotten used to his guitar playing, but sometimes it's still a bit much. Uh, and Fish, I've seen 44 times, I think now. Uh, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Oh, man. That's cool. Oh, shit. Yeah. So have you fo- followed fish around because i imagine there must have been some uh used to seeing them in other cities and such because oh yeah pretty big yeah, number i mean oh yeah i mean i've seen them uh all over uh actually the first times i ever saw them was like kind of right when i started getting into those bands it was kind of like right at a time when like uh nick williams and like pete negroponte who at the time both of them ran deep thoughts and they were like heavily into that stuff and I was starting to get into it and I kind of started talking to them about it and uh Nick can get pretty evangelical about this stuff so he's like he really kind of like you know got me into into fish and stuff and I agreed to go with them to a show and actually the first shows I went to was six shows in a row uh from <laughs> from July 3rd till July 13th 2014 it was like in saratoga springs new york and then in philly and then in new york city and yeah and then that year we went down to miami to see them for new years and i've been to colorado to see them yeah Uh, does any of the shows uh, like your absolute favorite the one that sticks out probably that i would say is the last of those first six shows that i saw in 2014 uh, I mean, just because it was like, you know, the end of that experience, which is kind of like what really converted me to them. And that show, it's uh, July 13th, 2014 in Randall's Island in, in New York. Uh, mm. It's like the second set is is really great. It's still, I feel like one of the best sets I've seen. There's like a 28 minute version of Chalk Dust Torture and stuff like that, uh, which means nothing to probably anybody listening to this. But uh, uh yeah, so I feel like that is one that really stands out as being the last. Oh. Yeah. Is it one of those things where people that weren't even at that show might have access to it and that could be one of their favorite shows without even have gone? 
could be. I mean, people people talk about that show as being as being like a, a classic one of the last you know six years. Uh, awesome. Yeah, I mean, that's definitely one that people talk about as being a really good show. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's funny. I I'm so fascinated by it, but I I um, well, I haven't really. I don't think I, I don't know if I've ever really listened to Fish. Actually, believe it or not. <laughs> yeah, um, no, I mean, and, like, yeah, yeah. Oh, sorry. Uh, uh, I was just going to say, I, I like The Dead, though. I'm not a huge fan, but I haven't, like, really, like, really, like, like sat down and listened to it enough, I suppose. I mean, I've heard some of the albums, and, like, I, I like, um, you know, uh, some of the songs and, and such. But um, but I'm just, like, very fascinated by the devotion because that doesn't seem to really be a th thing for a lot of the bands that I'm into, like they don't really spark that level of uh, commitment in, in fans, you know? Yeah, um, I mean, like, that's why I said, it's kind of like its own big community in a way where it's like, I have, you know, several Facebook groups I'm in and stuff that are just, you know, people who like are into experimental music and stuff, but also like just joke around about fish stuff or something, you know what I mean? It's yeah. it very much is its own kind of language and community. Yeah, totally. Well, it's just that there's certain bands that do that for people and, and they are, those two bands, Dead and Fish are, are like at the top, of course, and um, of that like excessive fandom that, uh, yeah. it's weird. I don't know. I just, I don't, there's like, you know, there's other, obviously like, like Neil Young is another one or like, there's like people who really love Kiss. There's people who really love um, like Brian Jonestown Massacre or something. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I feel like there's probably is stuff that I like, but like even like I don't know. I feel like even say like 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 for me, one of my biggest, you know, one of the bands I love the most is like the Ramones, and I, I don't think though there's that my at least in my estimation there there's that kind of like loyal following. Yeah. You know I mean, yeah, I mean granted they're all dead, the original members, but you know what I mean. The, oh yeah. <laughs> No, I mean, it's, that kind of makes it difficult. <laughs> no, I mean, I know what you mean. I mean, you know, with, with the dead, I mean, Jerry Garcia has been dead for 25 years. I mean, right. you know, it's, and they still, they still have just as big of a following. Uh, yeah, and I, I don't, it's hard to really explain or put into words what it is about them. It's kind of a community feeling. It's kind of like a, I mean, the dead always had that thing throughout their whole existence. It's kind of just like a, like a free, a free open space thing too, where it's like there's an understanding and like a, an acceptance, I feel like in, at those things, which you get also at like DIY house shows and stuff, but it's like, I feel like that's one of the few places where there's, you know, 50,000 people in a room with, can have as much of an understanding like that as when there's 20 people in a basement or something. Sure. Well, that's the other thing. It's also so like wild about it. It's just at the same as like all the stuff you're describing. And then there's thousands of people that come out. To, oh, to yeah. Right. I mean, yeah. and it's, and it's somehow able to maintain an intimacy like it fare thee well. I will always remember they encored with Ripple, which is like kind of a soft spiritual acoustic song and 75,000 people are singing along with it. And I'm watching like grown men cry. And it's just like, it's, I don't, wow. yeah, I don't know how to describe it. It's, you know, it's, it's, it's something, it's something unique. I don't know. Yeah, uh, that's awesome. It uh, really hits home emotionally, would you say? It does. And I mean, 
yeah, with a song like that, especially. But yeah, there's something, it's hard to put into words. There's, there's something, like I said, for lack of a better word, a spiritual connection to it that, I mean, other people, you know, people have with other bands. Yeah, I don't know. It's, it's really hard to, hard to explain what makes it so uniquely its, its own thing. Well, I think uh, you're tapping into something of like the communal aspect of it and like this, I think even just the mute, the style of the music itself, it's like, in a way, I can't really picture like Stooges fans being like, yeah, let's all be together as one, you know what I mean? Like, I feel like it's also part of, because of the music and yet like the communal vibe, but also the style of the music and just that vibe and the reputation they've been built over the years that maybe just other stuff, other bands. Oh, yeah. Maybe, you know, other styles can't really emulate as as well. I mean, it's it's an element of that where it's like they do kind of play a, a lot of different styles of music. So it's kind of, you know, you can kind of have a little bit for everybody. And also just kind of a, kind of a they did it their own way type of thing. Like, I mean, for most of their career, the Dead basically operated like a DIY band. I mean, they had all their own in, in-house sound and, and everything. And they had, even in the 70s, had their own label for a while. And uh, so, I mean, I feel like that's, kind of a, a part of it is like a devotion to like oh they you know they some they got this big but they they did it on their own terms you know what i mean right yeah, yeah i mean they stayed true to themselves from at least from what you know i can see it seems like they stayed true to that sound and style and what they stood for and everything that a lot of other bands that get to, to that level most, pretty much most other stuff can't really say the, can't really say the same thing. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, they were able to, yeah, they, their whole operation was kind of communally run. All their friends and family were kind of part of their business and, you know, which led to some tr- problems in their later days and stuff, but that's, this isn't a Grateful Dead podcast. So I won't get into that, but uh, yeah, it's, they kind of, it was, it, it was a family, you know, it, it was run like a family essentially. It would be funny if Glenn and I did a Grateful Dead podcast. Oh, that would not, be great. Not, not, being, not being deadheads, but just listening to like an album and and then yeah. each each episode and just I yeah, that would be our thoughts. Mm-hmm. That would be great. There have you ever heard of the podcast Analyze Fish? No, uh, I no. It's it's uh Scott Ackerman who does like comedy bang bang and, and some of those comedy podcasts and Harris Whittles, who was a comedian who was a writer for like parks and rec and stuff like that, who was a huge fish fan. And it's basically the premise of, of the podcast was him trying to get Scott Ackerman into fish. It's very funny. That's funny. Yeah. All right. <laughs> One final dead question. Uh, oh yeah. Is do you, f- when I started, I think what maybe what clicked for me when I first get got into it was I started noticing a striking resemblance to the Velvet Underground. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't know if you get if you all, pick up on that. No, I I do. I have had that thought process many times and probably ranted at whoever was near me a bunch of times about yeah, like because I mean. You, I feel like you could write like a like a bullshit dissertation on this because I mean they even there's even the thing where they both started off called the Warlock, and then had to change oh, the name, which is kind of a, a crazy, yeah, that's a, a very crazy coincidence, um, and not because of each other either, because of some other band called the Warlocks, uh, and yeah, I mean you can very much like 
the dead are kind of where a lot of like hippie culture spawned from, you know, at least in popular culture and, you know, kind of are seen as the grandfathers of, of that world, whereas the Velvet Underground are very much seen as kind of the, you know, the grandfathers of, of the punk world. And so it is, it's very interesting that they have kind of a similar, kind of a similar thing, whereas they, their reputation kind of grew over the years and they have, yeah, a very dedicated thing about them, even though it's, yeah, you're like stylistically, it's not very similar. I mean, you can find, it's interesting. I would love to go, there are shows where they played together and it would be amazing to see that. <laughs> Oh wow! Oh really? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Did they, I didn't know that. But yeah, did they play together? Like uh, late '60s. Uh, like uh, there's, I think there's one, there's one show in like '69 that I just I remember seeing that bill and be like, that would be the sickest show. It's like in Pittsburgh yeah. or something, and it's the Velvet Underground, the Grateful Dead, and the Fugs, and that would be oh, wow. that'd be the sickest show. That sounds yeah. cool. Oh man, I, yeah, you know not. A, Definitely not on the dead level or like fish level at all, but you now like come to think of it more, Velvet Underground seems to have um, a fair amount of devotion. Uh, again, like not necessarily in the in the live setting, and definitely not on that like next level. But as far as like fans really kind of like obsessing over it, oh yeah, I feel like and, and I feel yeah, like they're man. kind of like the yeah, it's like everybody's yeah, in right. a band, and they also. Are kind of the fathers of the kind of like dark distant harsh noise thing whereas the dead are kind of the fathers of like the hippie dance party type of thing for lack of a better way of phrasing it i don't know yeah no totally um so i just want to shift gears a little bit to a completely different topic but uh something that you and i conrad have talked about a lot and glenn and i talked about a bunch but uh I, i in addition to our kinship of music, I love that you were always someone I could talk to about uh, great old like wrestling, <laughs> like pro wrestling, pro wrestling stuff. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was it was something that I was, you know, I was into at that time, like the late 90s, early 2000s, when it was like a huge pop cultural mm-hmm. thing. And it's kind of always had a soft spot for me. And then just like within the last few years, I just like got bored and started listening to like wrestling podcasts just because it's like, I, the more I find out about just like the crazy behind the scenes world of, of that, the more it's just fascinating to me. Yeah. Well, here's, yeah, not same. Uh, it's, well, it's so bizarre. Is that, cause that was one of my like first loves as a kid. Um, you know, I, I still really like, I don't really follow like modern day, stuff yeah. as much uh, i do a little bit but some some you know some like uh every now and then like like i think it was, was it a, is it awa or something is one of them i don't know oh the, don't the know. new one AEW. yeah oh that yeah yeah uh yeah. but like i was really big into it as a kid especially like wwf and like ecw but like uh i you know before i, I mean i always liked music but i really loved wrestling as a kid even more than music and uh, in more recent years, I kind of have like revisited it more um, and often try to like think of like what it's like, what you know, because it, it's even it, it like stayed with me. And even now I still appreciate it. And I'm like, I'm kind of like, what's the appeal to it? And I, I kind of uh, I've said this to some people and they're like, yeah, you know what? I, I get what you're saying. Other people are like, that's so stupid. But I've said this. I'm just going to throw this out there to you guys. Yeah. Uh, 
as like a thing of like I would never call like I at least for me I'm not gonna call wrestling like art but I think but it's definitely entertainment and a, a lot of great art is entertainment and I feel like with what I really appreciate and love about wrestling is I, I appreciate that someone is willing to go put their like self in so much danger and like physically like fucked up themselves yeah for the sake of entertainment and i i just think like an art i feel like artists should keep that kind of level of commitment in mind because it's like is the you know what i mean like they don't necessarily yeah. need to do that but there's something i respect about that because it's like you know we can all scoff at it it's like sort of uh barbaric and everything but it's like if you're someone over there doing poetry or whatever else whatever they're doing it's like are you you know what i mean how you know what i mean like are you at that level of commitment where it's like you're physical, yeah you know what i mean and there's something that physicality and i think that ties in a lot of the music i like and some of the stuff that we just we've been talking about yeah no i mean apps absolutely i mean I, I i love that you brought it up because that's kind of what i was gonna say is that what i've kind of learned to really respect about it is just seeing it as this like really extreme intense form of theater yeah where it's like yeah. you know it's like sometimes the storylines are kind of goofy and it's like yeah. it, you know there's a soap opera element to it and like a weird just kind of like appealing to the lowest common denominator yeah. element yeah, to absolutely. it sometimes but it's like yeah it's like if you're willing to go out there and like potentially break your neck like every night to put on this insane play I am, I, like, I have the most respect for that. Like, you know, as much as I, you know, it can be a goofy world sometimes, I have nothing but respect for anybody who does that for a living. Because it's just, yeah, it's, it's, you know, like people, you know, it's, people talk about like sacrificing for your art or whatever, but it's, and it's like that, I mean, what else is that but sacrificing for your art, you know? Yeah, no, exactly, yeah. And, and yeah, to me, there's something compelling about that. And, and yeah, and this, I, I mean, def, definitely back in the day, there there's some really great storylines and some, some that are pretty like obnoxious and dated, but still like, you know, at least for me, nostalgic. And Oh yeah. Like, I mean, there's, funny, there's tons funny. of problematic stuff. I mean, the whole thing kind of is, <laughs> but, but it's still like entertaining and at the very least, but uh, wait, were, were you going to say something, Glenn? I was going to say, were there graduate students, PhD candidates, kind of dissecting it in, in this kind of way, you think, back then? Because I, I was just a kid, and I, I really loved it, too. I don't actually don't know, I don't know why I loved it, but I'm, it's funny that we're mentioning these points now, maybe as a little bit uh, wiser and more grown-up people, if other people were thinking of it in these terms back then. Oh yeah, I mean there there always have been. I mean there's been wrestling journalism. I mean just from like having similar to, like what Chris was saying the last few years, kind of like checked it out again a little bit. Uh, you know, like Dave Melter is someone that will come up anytime hear about it. Who's like a, a wrestling journalist who has you know mm -hmm. covered it for years and years and decades and you know and writes all sorts of think pieces and stuff. And yeah, there are people who think about it that way. And I think you can even find like Roland Barth like uh essays from like the 50s about like the theater of parisian wrestling and stuff wow. uh yeah but it's like people have always thought about it like i mean not not in general uh but there have always been 
people I think who recognize that that's what it is. And I think there are people who do it that recognize that that's what it is. They might not always be the people in charge, I feel like, but I feel like there are people who who do that for a living that that recognize its place in in art. <laughs> I guess that's for a like great, word, really you know. awesome point. Yeah, well, it's just, again, I, I just kind of, uh, you know, I, I've even brought that up point the, that, you know, oh, uh, well, actually, a, a kind of a, a second point, but I think it overlaps with it, um, is, you know, like, the point of it being fake, and it's like, yes, it's fake. It, it's, it's I, the way I always kind of look at it is like, sort of when, I, I think, like, the common knowledge people would have is like, oh, okay, it's fake. And, yeah, I mean, it's fake in the sense that it's staged, but I don't know how many people realize just how, like, fucked up these people get. Oh, know? yeah. Like, yeah, like, you know. Yeah, like the winner is determined, but like, yeah, if you're getting hit with a chair, you're getting hit with a chair. Yeah, exactly, you, you know what I mean? Exactly. Like, and it's like you know, and they learn how to fall in ways that hurt less, but you're still falling and you're still getting slammed, and you know, they, they learn ways to to deal with it so it's not completely destroying their bodies. But a lot of them are completely destroying their body. You know, like these people are oh, injured totally, yeah. constantly. Yeah. yeah exactly and that and it's funny is i i um when i've talked to some people about this i've realized that a lot of people don't actually even get they don't realize that like they realize that it's like okay they're like getting hit a bunch and they're it's a, taking a physical toll but i think some people think that it's like oh yeah they're getting hit with like like a plastic chair right or whatever they're getting it's like no no they're getting pretty fucked up like you know okay, you, yeah. know, you know like no it's and, and like if people uh, then you know think it's also like barbaric i'm like well yeah i mean it is like I'm, yeah, I'm not gonna necessarily argue with you on that point but again like i think that it's it goes into like the first point where we were talking of just sort of like the level of devotion that um and again to put on a show too yeah i mean and like like we were talking about with with bands and with devotion and stuff it's like i mean a lot of the more intense theatrical bands are are essentially functioning you know functioning to their audience the same way that pro rest like you know you watch like footage of like iggy pop yeah. with the stooges i mean he's essentially functioning as a wrestling character just on a stage with music playing you know what i mean like yeah no, he, he was the first person that came to my mind when you said that. Um, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, he's even, yeah. like, kind of playing a heel. Like, what's the, that live record where he's, like, taunting the bikers and stuff? I mean, he's he's acting yeah. as a wrestling heel at that concert, you know? Right, right. Exactly. Um, and, yeah, and that kind of then ties into, like, somewhere where we get into, like, you know, Alice Cooper and, and people like that, too. Um, yeah, no, exactly. Um, and yeah, I think, I think it's just a, just a general focal point as, I guess as a long time wrestling fan, I always feel the need to, I, cause I feel like it's, it's like, it's like, yes, it's fake in the sense that it's staged, but I, I feel like that notion that it's, it's fake is almost like, it, it's like, uh, it, it put, it, it gives the wrong idea. You know what I mean? It's misleading to say it in a way that people traditionally think of something being fake. Yeah, you know? <laughs> yeah, because it's not it's not fake. It's just it's predetermined. Like the you know the the winner is predetermined. I'm, yeah. I'm trying to think of like a like an analogy of something else, and I can't really off the top of my head think of anything. <laughs> yeah. But it's like 
Yeah, I don't know. It's like you go to a show and it's like, you know, the band is going to play certain songs, but it's like, <laughs> right. you don't go and be like, well, I've heard that song. So why am I seeing this? It's predetermined. No, yeah, that's it's really predetermined like that how the chords are going to go. Why am I here? You know what I mean? It's, I don't know. Right. No, exactly. You're like, you know, you're screaming because you're pissed off about the current political landscape or whatever. You normally scream in this song. You rehearse that. It's like, no, I mean, it's, that's yeah, exactly. real emotion. Yeah, you know I mean? that's real. And yeah, I, I feel like people are, as they should, like accept that. But it's like this other. There's thing, form you know, and chaos. You know. <laughs> yeah. Yes, exactly. Yes, yeah. Exactly. That's, and yeah, and the the best the best one to the ones that are able to to meld them into a a thing where you're not it has form, but you're not sure if it's chaos or not. Yeah, exactly. That's it, a, it, yeah, it's it a, all always, comes together. <laughs> yeah, well, that's yeah. A, that's what they always. I was hear people in like wrestling podcasts talk about is it, like that's what they're going for is like you know the feeling of like well that other stuff's fake but like that's real you know and and that's that's kind of like that moment that i was talking about with improvisation where it all kind of like comes together and it's you know okay all that other stuff they were kind of fooling around but like this just really hit i, I don't know no absolutely like a weird metaphor but <laughs> i like it that's awesome yeah, well, I started laughing just a minute ago because I was thinking of, um, I reviewed uh, Beyond the Mat, you, you know, that oh, yeah, documentary. Yeah, yeah. yeah, and I reviewed it in like a college class, and um, it was so funny because I, I, I think I was the only wrestling fan in the room, so everyone was kind of being like snobs, and um, like the professor kind of asked me, like, um, I think I was talking about like the the um you know uh, what was it like uh the hell in a cell or something or when oh yeah like fully got thrown off the cage and he's like you know it's because you know we're going like the round table in the classroom discussion and uh you know and the professor kind of asked like maybe you could write this or do this he's like maybe you could talk about how like your reaction of seeing it as a kid you know, versus um, how you like would see it now, now that you know that it's not fake anymore. And I said like, oh, well, no, he really got like messed up or whatever, you know, and like he actually got like, he was thrown off the kit, you know, they had to like oh, stop yeah. the match messed up. And then he was just like, oh, so you don't realize that it, you still think it's real. And everyone started laughing. I'm just like, oh, you know, fuck you guys. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I mean, yeah, no, you can't fall 20 feet like exactly fakely yeah and I, <laughs> you know? I, I, know, I kept saying that i was i was like no like yet like youtube this like yeah the, the, there's no way that they didn't fake like this like he got thrown 20 feet off this cage through like a a table with you know what i mean yeah <laughs> you know, onto the ground <laughs> you know, like, yeah i mean that that's the sort of thing it's like i have nothing but respect for someone who who does that i mean that is yeah just, and just to entertain people like for no pure you know, for no less pure, I guess, intent than like to entertain people, you know? Right. Yeah. It's also funny too, now that I think about it with like beyond the mad. Uh, so we were saying even like how, you know, like I guess when we were all kids, like watching it, it's kind of funny, like wrestling in general, watching it. I actually saw that movie. I rented it when it came out or like when it came out to video. So this is like in like 2000 or something. Yeah. So I would have been like nine or, or 10 or something. Um, and uh, it's so weird because I've watched that, you know, a few times over the years and just watching, I'm like, it's so weird. Like talking about, you know, maybe what we would have thought as kids. Cause I, I watched that as a kid 
as I was watching wrestling, it, there's some pretty dark stuff in there. Oh, yeah. So I'm like, I don't know. I guess I just rolled with it as a kid. Yeah, it's, yeah, I feel like as a kid, you just don't think about it as much. And then when you get older, I mean, that's, that's another thing that I'm, I'm learning more and more. The more I like re-explore it is like, there definitely is a dark element to it because, oh, of course. you know, when you fuck up your body that much for that long. And, and it's just a whole industry built on like self-promotion and like, you know, it's, it's a, it's a weird thing when you get into it where it's like oh okay well it's the wins and losses are predetermined but it your career trajectory is kind of determined by how much you win or lose so it ends up being like a thing that's entirely determined by like backstage politics and stuff it's it's a weird world that's i've that that's honestly been my main interest in the last mm. couple of years yeah, sort of like finding out more and more about it, oh yeah i mean it very much is it yeah it's like with yourself as your own brand or something. Yeah. No, it's. Uh. Yep. <laughs> yeah. No, absolutely. It's a very much. It is a really dark world, dark industry that. Um, you know, what I mean, yeah, it's absolutely like fascinating. That. Uh, yeah, no, it's it's all like the whole thing is. I mean, people want if you want it's like man, if you want to talk like toxic masculinity, you just look at all oh, this. Oh God! Yeah, all these things it just brings up a number of these, um, all these like general issues and stuff like that. It just it's all there. It's, so it's just like endlessly fascinating. Yeah. And that's just on the surface. And then you like imagine what is below the surface. It just it just it's yeah, insane. It's yeah, it's it's. Yeah, I, I can't stop reading more about it and finding out about all that stuff. It's it's wild. Yeah, exactly. It's like, um, and it's like I say, it's one of those things where um, I'm very happy to be on the outside. You know, it's like, yeah. you know I mean, like it's like we're all involved in music in one way, even if it's not the in, like the industry, which thank God. But I mean, but even if we're you know just you know, but even even still, like I'm like. I, I like being involved in the music. I very much am happy being on the outside lo looking into like the wrestling world. Like, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I don't know if I could. If I, I mean, it seems a lot healthier these days. Like, it seems like a lot of like the the really problematic dark stuff is mostly you know fr from the past, and a lot of the more modern organizations and the people involved in it are you know c consciously make an effort to to not be as much like that. But it's, yeah. it's, yeah, it's, it's there and it's, it's always been, yeah. Yeah, totally. It's, it seems like even in, yeah, in general, they've become, yeah, a little bit more cognizant of that. I mean, I'm obviously, I'm sure it's like, there's lots of shit out there. Oh yeah. <laughs> shit out there, but, uh, but uh, of course, but um, as there is anywhere, but like, yeah, it's even like with wrestling, uh, it seems to be more like like less violent, you know, definitely. Oh yeah, it's it's less less violent. It's more like athletic based. It's not. Yeah. It's less entertaining. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, to an extent. I mean, there's there's all sorts of things involved with that, like the WWE, the PG, and yeah, I mean, there, yeah, there's all sorts of elements with that. But it's like as a whole, it's less problematic now, and like in the yeah. wwe like women are actually like some of the biggest stars whereas like back when we right. watched it it was like bad <laughs> like yeah, sex yeah. sexist as hell oh um, yeah yeah totally. so yeah, yeah so that's a, that's definitely. a positive but that has gotten better yeah definitely. But, yeah. <laughs> yeah um so uh 
Oh yeah. Also, wait. Which was I remember was talking about this before. Which member of the is like the the Gentries or whatever is? Oh uh, yeah, Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart. Jimmy Hart, like, like the famous okay. wrestling manager with the the mega the mega horn and everything. Right. Like right. Yeah, he's the. Uh, he was in the gen. He wrote the. Yeah, he wrote their music. I, I read up on that after the, after I saw that, and it was like how he got involved with wrestling was basically like the Gentries were working on some song for Jerry the King Lawler or something. And him and Jerry the King Lawler hit it off and he got involved in wrestling. I don't know. Pretty wild. And then of course the other, I mean, I'm sure there's plenty or maybe not plenty, but then sure there's others, but one of the great uh, wrestling music connections i always loved bob mold was a writer for wcw yeah i need to know more about that because that's like the wildest like a dude in a band that i really like was like somehow involved in this crazy <laughs> carnival for for a little while and i just need to know how that happened why what he was involved you know like what times he was a part of you know what i mean like right i need and also, yeah, like the Misfits were in the WCW for a minute. Uh, oh, I didn't know that. Oh, they, also there's other, now that I'm thinking more, is like oh, yeah, ICP had their own. Uh, Billy, Cor Billy Corgan. Oh, yeah, Billy Corgan is like the head of a company. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah I think it's NWA or something. Yeah. It sounds funny. Not the yeah. rep, the same name. Yeah. yeah, it's like an old offshoot of the NWA, the National Wrestling Alliance, which was like a yeah. big thing for a century, and now it's just kind of a smaller thing. Yeah, so... So yeah, yeah, there's some others, but I think with Bob Mould, um, I'm not 100 percent sure, but I think he was on uh, Damian Abraham uh, from Fucked Up. He was on on his podcast, and uh, I know he's Damian is a big wrestling fan, so there oh, might I be. I haven't listened. I haven't listened to the podcast. I I think he was on there. Um, I'd have to double check, but it might be. You know, I'm, I'm sure if. if he was then he'd probably ask him questions about that so yeah i would love to hear that yeah uh so transition back to the the music landscape oh yeah and, uh you know glenn glenn and i've talked about this a few times before uh so actually well i'll just throw out this question to both of you then like favorite so favorite boston underground venue and above ground venue Ooh. <sighs> Uh, for underground, I feel like just for sentimentality's sake. I mean, it doesn't exist. Well, it actually does exist. So I'm completely safe saying it. The White House. Okay. Yeah. That that makes sense. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. I feel like I just, I have too many memories and just too much of an experience there to not have that have had such an impact. Yeah. No. Absolutely. I actually then second favorite like underground or house show venue okay. or whatever. I mean, it's hard because I have, I've lived at like three of them. Uh, uh, what was this? Uh, I know Black Lodge and White House was Smoky Bear Cave. Yeah, Smoky Bear Cave. I also lived at okay, that. Okay, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, one of those, Smoky Bear Cave. I mean, Gay Gardens, I never lived there, but that was, like I said, I just, I loved the vibe of that place. Where it was just complete chaos and it was like, it was but it kind of had this family vibe. I remember we did a White House family tour, like the first fall I was there, where like we had like 14 bands all on tour. We would just play 15 minute sets back to back to back. And the first show was at Gay Gardens. And I just remember Poncho, the kid during his set, just I don't remember exactly how he phrased it, but he was just like, it's like, oh, the White House at Gay Gardens, this is like, 
Uh, this is like the Mary Pranksters meets the Manson family. You got you guys like the Manson family. <laughs> that always stuck with me. That's awesome. That that <laughs> sounds like that sounds like a like a really fucked up like Saturday morning cartoon like <laughs> like you know like Manson family Mary Pranksters meets the Manson family kind of like like Scooby Doo meets Batman. Yeah, it really. Yeah, it's like yeah, it's like the '60s version of. Scooby-Doo meets the, I don't, I'm blanking on what other cartoons exist, but. <laughs> Flintstones. Or yeah, Batman. there you go. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Uh, how about Above Ground on you? Or whatever, you know, like, a, whatever you want okay. to call it. Yeah. Um, In Boston. I guess I'd have to say the Midway, probably. Just okay. Cool. I had a monthly night there for a while, and they've always been. Yeah, oh, yeah. They, they've always been nice to me, and it's always felt like in JP, like one of the. I mean, one of the only above ground venues in JP, uh, and always just like a place that I've always kind of felt like I could stop in, and you know, there's, you know, a lot of my friends would play there, and you know, usually if I went to shows, a lot of people I knew there, and they're kind of open for anything. I mean, at a Scott app show there one time I actually dented their monitor and they still they still let me come back so yeah there you go nice <laughs> yeah yeah I mean for me I don't know it's kind of tough but I'd probably go Black Lodge just because like we went to so many shares there and like we just like you know slept over there somebody crashed over there and just knew uh, a lot of the people, like nice guys, and like you, I remember you were living there, and I remember yeah, you there. yeah, I lived uh, there for like, yeah, it was great. Like I said, the, the vibe of like before a show, you guys rolling up, and like, oh hell yeah, the, the show's the show is starting. Glenn and Chris, yeah. Glenn and Chris have arrived. Oh. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Well, it's funny because we used to get there. I mean, we went there even if they, yeah, we used to go there even if shows weren't going on, and like, or even if we like, it wasn't even if like what like oh like hey we're gonna like hang out. So unnecessarily, we would just like show up there. Yeah, that's yeah, I they love. Were totally cool with it. Yeah, that's all. That's the main thing I miss about living at show houses is just that experience of just like people in the scene just kind of hanging out. Yeah. Um, and what about uh, your favorite uh, on, above ground? I'm curious. Um, that's it's kind of damn. Yeah, it's a tough one because I'd always I always put as like as far as like my just like you know, what I prefer and really like, I would always put house shows above anything else. Um, yeah, same. But, yeah. Um, I don't know. It's like, uh, it's really is a tough one, but uh, I, I'm going to honestly have to go with uh, Club Bohemia. Uh, you know, I know oh, a lot that, of people, yeah. you know, I know a lot of people love it and I know a lot of people who don't like it. But, um, you know, it's just, it, it's just, I love the, like the dank basement and, uh, it's just been so good to us. And Mickey has been so good to us over the years. Yeah, that makes sense. I mean, that's a, it's always, I've kind of thought of that as like a, a home turf for, for you guys. That, that definitely makes sense. Yeah. How about you, Glenn? Oh, the, uh. Underground and above ground favorites. Yes. I'd say I like the. Uh, of course, Bohemia. Um, 
what else was there? I really thought that was cool though, that the space, I really liked that space. Even though it was just that one show con over in Roxbury. What space? Uh, Which space was that? The one a couple summers ago uh, where we played together. Oh, that oh. The It was kind of like a warehouse type of yeah. space, right? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know what the name of that place was, but yeah, my, my back who uh he was the drummer in forgotten jam with me he was living there yeah yeah i don't that place was cool yeah it was it was just it was weird because i had been there you know uh like prior to that maybe a year or two yeah like a year or two years before that and i saw because i recorded in one of the rooms right next to it and i always thought that little nook would be a cool spot for a show and there there you have it Lo and behold. Yeah. Wow, that's awesome. Yeah, warehouse spaces like that are always fun. Yeah, that was a really fun show. Yeah, that was. That was. And who else played uh, yeah. that? I'm trying to remember. There's a lot of places, though. I, I actually kind of... Oh. Damn, I can't even think of all the Michael Jordan touched. Michael Jordan touchdown pass. Oh, that's right. Yep. Yeah, that's yeah. That was, that. There yeah. was a couple others, I think, too, but yeah. Yeah. Um... Damn, good, good reminiscent. Oh, I wanted to mention, uh, c- congratulations on your new record, Con. Oh, thanks. Yeah. yeah oh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, actually, if you want to, yeah, yeah, totally. I, I can't believe we, because uh, I listened to it today, yeah. Oh, wow. We both did. Yeah, we yep. both listened to it. We were talking about it earlier, actually. I, I can't believe we didn't, um, we haven't talked about it thus far. Oh, it's fine. Yeah. No, yeah. Uh, yeah, thanks for listening. <laughs> so it was recorded a couple years ago yeah yeah basically uh a few years ago 2017 i moved back home to oswego new york for a winter basically uh mm-hmm. with the intention of of recording a bunch of stuff uh and yeah just kind of hold up in my basement of my parents house and uh and uh, recorded a, a bunch of stuff uh some of it i'd written beforehand some of it uh, was written during that time. Some of it is basically what you're hearing is the first take. <laughs> yeah. Uh, just some stuff I've made up in, in the room. Uh, but, uh, yeah, some of it was written beforehand and, uh, yeah, it's just, uh, recorded it all then. And just for the two or three years since I've just kind of been trying to figure out what to do with it, how to get it in any sort of, you know, final shape. Cause it's, you know, something like that where there's not, expectations or anything like you know nobody really even knows or cares if I'm putting anything out so it's just sort of like I can sort of just sit on it and wait until it's good mm-hmm. uh and yeah so I just kind of trying to figure out forever what to do with it and then uh, my friend Colin Briggs who plays in uh, Owsley's Owls with me and uh, in jazz massages occasionally and stuff uh he I had sent some of the tracks to him to listen to and he offered to to do some mastering on it because he was kind of teaching himself to do that and so I sent yeah. it to him and uh yeah and he mastered them and I just got the the last few masters uh yesterday and decided to to put it up and get it finally uh finally out in the world yeah thank you oh yeah the world thanks you for that (laughs) wow well they're they're welcome yeah and 
Um, this is, is going to be actually a great transitional. Well, actually, no, wait. Uh, I'm going to have to, never mind. I, forget I actually wanted to ask you uh, another question before I get to the other question. Okay. Um, so we were actually, as we were saying before, we, uh, when we were reading the email that you sent us from like way back November 30th, 2011, you had mentioned you uh, worked as like a reporter. Um, yeah. Or it was like it was a radio, right, or something to do with the radio. Like, what, what was the job exactly? I was a reporter uh, uh, at the local NPR station in Oswego for about a year out of college. Uh, I majored in college in broadcasting, uh, like a focus in radio, and uh, the NPR station that uh, serves like the Syracuse market is based out of Oswego. Uh, and so I interned there for like three years during college. And then when I graduated college, uh, the basically both full-time reporters there uh, left. And so I got a job full-time as a reporter there for like a year out of college. Uh, and yeah, I mean, that that was what I did. That was kind of like my original career path, if you will. Uh, and I mean, it's still something I would, I would do now, but it was just like, it was at a time where I was working on a lot of music and really feeling like that was more where my heart was and what I wanted to do. And there wasn't, didn't feel like there was a way to do it the way I wanted to do it in Oswego because I really wouldn't have been able to play shows or anything really with what I was trying to do. Uh, unless I just want to do like acoustic folk shows or something. Um, and so and I was just sort of sick of of being there you know when you when you're 23 and you're still living in the the town you grew up in uh, you know if there's not anything else going on like you know there wasn't a whole lot going on there then I just kind of wanted out and Boston was a place I had been a few times before because my uncle lived here uh you know, like I said, I came up when I was 10 and recorded that song. When I was 13, I had come up and gone to my first big concert, uh, which was Bare Naked Ladies at the Garden for New Year's 2000. Uh, and so, yeah, Boston had always kind of held a, a special place for me. Uh, and I just figured it being a city where there was likely to be stuff going on, I wanted to check it out. And I knew I could stay with my uncle for a little bit while I figured it out. And so I kind of gave up that career to move to Boston and try to focus on music. Wow. Damn. All right. Cool. I can't, I can't believe I, I mentioned that in my email to you. That's weird. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny. Cause uh, I, yeah, I never knew that about you. So I, and I like, I, I didn't remember it from the email. But it was a cataclysmic point in your life in which you, you know, took that full-time reporting job to decide only to decide that music was all you wanted to do with life. Yeah, that that really is that, that nails it. That is how it happened. And I yeah, yeah. I, I remember reading that and I, I appreciated that. Just you know, we get a lot of submissions of especially back then we got a lot of submissions, but you know, just to hear that kind of backstory and then, you know, I had heard of the White House. So yeah, it was you just it was a great email and great introduction to your stuff. Wow, that's good to know, because like marketing and reaching out in, in that sort of way, which, you know, now I'm friends with you guys, but at the time you were strangers. So it's never yeah, been it was, something it was a cordial, I, yeah. Yeah, it's never yeah. been something I considered myself good at. 
good to know that it that it went over well. Yeah, it worked out then. Yeah, I mean, definitely um, uh, for for us at least, we I mean, uh, any kind of like personal email versus like we'll get a lot of times. You know, you can tell when yeah. someone is writing something that it was made. It, it's just the exact same. Like it's just a blank kind of. Oh yeah, uh, mass sort of email thing, and like so, we always appreciate the the personal ones, and um, yeah, I mean sometimes we, you know, we've been guilty of not responding to stuff and stuff, especially like if you know we're not in, into something, but you know if someone says a personal thing, a lot of times even if I'm not into it, at least like to respond, even if we're not going to do anything, it's kind of politely respond. But I mean, we were into what you were you were sending us, so, and awesome. uh, I'm glad. Yeah. But like again, even just the just also just the email itself was really really nice and uh, yeah, I mean uh, yeah. Well, that's, that's I, good. yeah, yeah. So I wanted to ask you. We ask everyone this question: um, When do you think shows will return? Yeah, uh, like you know, like a really return that in the way that, you know, people would be, say, like, going indoors or just, big, you know, things beyond just, uh, like, a drive-in or a, you know, outside. Yeah. Show, you know, super underground. Um, yeah. Like, as far as, like, basement shows and stuff like that, like, I mean, I guess I'll, I won't even touch on that quite yet because who knows about that. But, like, yeah. as far as indoor shows in general, I mean – the most optimistic I could think would be summer 2021. Uh, but even that is seeming kind of unlikely. Like fall 2021 seems doable, but I, you know, it's, it's so hard to say. Cause it just like, it just keeps, it just keeps getting worse and we'll see. Yeah. We'll see how things are in a year. Yeah, I'm, well, I'm I'm cautiously optimistic that, that I think honestly my prediction is June, but I, I don't think it's going to be like everything comes back at once. But I think we'll start to see stuff like slowly. Um, yeah, I mean it's because it's yeah. it'll also be interesting to see if there where guidelines on that go because yeah. right now it's kind of a wild west scenario where like some places you can do stuff and other places you can't. That's true. And Maybe there'll be more guidelines. Yeah, so it's like, I could see there being like random one-off club shows or basement shows or something yep. by next summer, but I don't know if that'll be, you know, necessarily the best idea or if that will be yeah, totally plausible. You know, I don't know. Yeah, I think, I, honestly, I think, um, I think so. I, I think that it's it's going to be it was it's going to be difficult, but I think especially with like summertime, I think at least is my prediction is that we'll see um, outdoor shows like more so than we did this summer because I think we just we're not we were just not at that point yet. I think that we're you know um, I think based on what I'm reading and seeing that I think that like getting once we get past the winter um you know and in, into the spring and eventually into the summertime i think that there will be more just more like treatment and potentially you know, hopefully a vaccine or vaccine so that's i don't know that's why i'm just costly cautiously optimistic and i think like maybe 
just more information that we could potentially be doing stuff outdoors, you know? Yeah. Um, but even yeah. indoor, I think it, it might be possible by that point. But that's, it, it is like, again, like I, I is cautiously optimistic, might be more fall 2021. Could even be beyond that, but that's at least my prediction is Jude. Yeah. At the early. <laughs> that, that's a good point about outdoor shows because next summer i feel like indoor shows might still not really be right a good idea but out, I, yeah. that could be really interesting next summer there could you know be a lot of outdoor shows because by then i imagine it will have subsided enough where that would be at, at something that most people would be at least okay to check out whereas like now i feel like there's still a little bit of hesitancy about even outdoor shows yeah you know? there was just a no, show true. in providence yeah, there was a show in Providence last Saturday. Oh, nice. It was outdoors, but yeah. But, so yeah. that could be, that could be a, a harbinger of things to come, maybe in the spring and summer, if, if that can be kind yeah. of yeah, figured out. The planning's got to be done now, and hopefully maybe we can get involved in, in it some form. Yeah, that'd be interesting to find like cool places to stage outdoor shows. I mean, that's yeah. that's been the pe people have had efforts to do that. I mean, the bear cages kind of came, people doing yep. shows. The bear cages kind of came from that, and and that happened a few times over the summer where they had shows there because that's still kind of a plausible thing to do. Yep. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, places like that, that yeah, that'd be really interesting if like the DIY scene kind of starts finding little outdoor nooks that you can get away with having shows at. Yeah, cool. totally. Um, yeah, and like, I think, um, I don't know, I just, I feel like a mm -hmm. lot of it will have to do, just be like, it, you know, ultimately a willingness for people to want to do it um, and make it happen. I think, and I don't think, I mean, I think that people have that willingness. It just is a matter of safety and, and people wanting to be cautious, which is totally um understandable and reasonable but but i do think that it's like i don't know i think i i i i think it's possible just based on what we've seen thus far and what we saw like this past summer where i feel like there was so many you know people could eat outdoors and they're they're able to do lots of stuff like that and i don't think there was a rise in like spread of like cases during that time or from that from the summer and it, what it appears to be because uh, a lot of it seems to be transmitted like indoors yeah indoors and, so, and people not being careful yeah because i mean like this spring and summer there were tons of you know massive protests with yeah. you know th thousands of people and there weren't any you know those places didn't have huge outbreaks of cases because people actually were wearing masks and being right. you know being vigilant about you know, being safe. And that that's, I feel like all it really takes is like having everybody on the same page as far as like wanting to, to be safe. Yeah, totally. And I think also when I'm just, uh, just cautious or not cautious, optimistic about is that like they're saying like summertime, it's, you know, saying like June is over oh, seven months from now. So I, I, I hope just based on, what we've seen thus far just gaining more information or just even like better treatment or whatever i'm hoping by then there'll be just we'll we'll know like a lot more you know um yeah because like i feel like 
you know, in the time that's, you know, in the time since the, all this shit has gone down, there has been more like information gained and there's like, you know, um, and, you know, it's just in very various ways, just like, you know, you don't really see people really as much with like the gloves on, for example, you know, yeah. I mean, you still see it, but, but like masks realize it's, uh, you know, it seemed to be, okay, this is effective. You know what I mean? This makes sense. Yeah. Uh, a lot like of it's it, been proven. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I say. A lot of it just has to do with there being like a, a strong centralized messaging and having, you know, uh, to a larger scale, everybody on the same page about staying safe. I mean, you know, like as, as kind of milk toast as he is, having Joe Biden as president instead of Trump, you know, like, I, you know, I don't want to get into my critiques of Joe Biden, but, it, yeah. you know, it, at least having someone there who acknowledges that the, that the virus is real and that it is seemingly going to actively take steps to make sure people are, you know, staying safe to some extent, that whatever extent that happens to will be better than the just complete chaos and disinformation there is right now. So, Yeah, no, absolutely. Uh, exactly. That that's a whole other thing too of like what a Biden administration will do with all this too is, um, you know, and ho- hopefully it will be much better than what we have now. Um, and uh, oh, also another thing like uh, actually, um, with regard to like outdoor stuff, like uh, I think it was Coco Roy who we had on the show a few podcasts back made made this point of. You know, there's other parts of the country too that have like, uh, you know, like are a lot, a lot warmer than us. That they, you know, it might be even sooner than um, summertime or even spring. You know, it might be yeah. even sooner if it is safe to do so. That we maybe we'll see other states having outdoor stuff and doing it in a safe, effective way. You know, before you know, that we could use as like a model. Oh, yeah. Potentially. I mean, maybe, maybe not. But, you know, uh, definitely if that does happen and and there isn't like massive outbreaks from it and we're like, oh, wait, well, that worked. You, that could be used as a model too. Yeah, it will be interesting to see like what like DIY scenes in like Florida or something do over the winter when they're able to do outdoor stuff. You know what I mean? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's. I think it's just a matter of time, and uh, we'll see what happens. But uh, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm optimistic though, and uh, you know, I, I'm pretty cynical uh, on that stuff. But I just, it just, I don't know. I guess I just feel like I have to be optimistic, and I, I won't be like totally shocked if things don't. Oh yeah, I mean, go, go that way. But I, I just feel, I feel optimistic about it because I, I feel like things. I don't know, from pretty early on, it seemed that we were pretty fucked for a while. And, you know, so like even like cases going up now, what's well, like that was predicted pretty early on that that would happen. So, yeah, I can't. Yeah. So I'm like, I'm not like, oh, my God, you know, so but. And it's but from what I gather, though, like the there's a lot of stuff that's actually happened sooner than expected, or at least the projections have gotten sooner so like i remember early on people saying like oh we wouldn't have a vaccine for like two years and that might be the case maybe yeah. the case but it's now slowly being more predicted by like medical people not you know politicians 
I don't go, I'm not going from politicians, but saying for medical experts, it seems to be, uh, they expect it to be sooner than, than what was originally anticipated of like late 21 or 22. So yeah. That, so, but it's a matter of time. We'll see what happens really. You know? Yeah. With all this stuff, I, yeah, I, I've just sort of stayed like, for lack of a better phrase, just cautiously optimistic. Cause it's like, if I, if I allow myself to like think about the negative possibilities right now, it's just bleak. So it's just like, yeah. it's, Good you know, it's, it's, it's just trying to, I don't have any control over a lot of that. Right. So it's just sort of like learning to just go with it and do what I can to keep myself and other people safe to the extent that I have the ability to do that. Yeah, absolutely. That's all. That's all you can do, really. I mean, yeah, like uh, with a, like a virus and shit. You know, what I mean, so that's ultimately all. You, all you can do. So it sounds like you're doing the right thing. Yeah, hopefully. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. So are you? I guess uh, we can um, discuss as well. Just before we, you know, I don't want to. Uh, I don't want to take up too much of your time because I really do appreciate you giving us a lot of. Yeah, uh, thank you so much. <laughs> oh yeah, th thank you guys for talking, man. Dude, of don't course. take up too much of your time either. Yeah, uh, it's all good. Uh, yeah, no, it's been awesome. Uh, are you so you're making music? Like, obviously, you put out the uh, album today that was from recording from a few years ago. Yeah. Have you been making music in quarantine? Or yeah, I mean, yes. I, I there's a bunch of stuff I've written and I'm kind of off and on working on recording it and trying out different ways of recording stuff. I mean, that is one positive of quarantine is that I have my recording set up here and I don't have to go anywhere to do it. And I am just here with it all the time, which mm -hmm. is kind of nice. Uh, but yeah, I just want to get more into it. I have a bunch of stuff from I've worked on a little bit and kind of, I'm always kind of tinkering on and off with recording stuff and it's, it's kind of got to materialize into something more concrete, but I have like, you know, probably at least a half dozen songs or so. And then some other different like kind of ideas that I'm working on. So yeah, I'm always, always kind of working on some stuff. Awesome. Yeah. No, I mean, I can't wait for the day that, you know, you can play some of it at a, at a show that either, you know we're either booking or just just in in attendance one way or another. It just would. Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I, I can't wait to play shows. Yeah, I'd love to hear it live. Yeah, it just yeah. I don't know. I don't know about you, uh, but for me, like the the like shows from home uh, stream stuff. I I um. I like occasionally will check out those, but I, I for the most part just can't do them. It yeah, just reminds me of what, it just reminds me of what I'm not doing. Yeah, it's like I, I yeah, same thing. I've checked out a couple, and it's like I, you know, I respect the people are doing them, and I, I think oh, it's absolutely, good, me too, think it's, yeah. yeah, I think it's a good idea, and you know, it, you know, for people that want to do that. But yeah, it's it's you're right. It does kind of just remind you of what's what's not available, and it's it, yeah, it's kind of a weird vibe. I mean, even like some you know bigger bands that i've like checked out that have done streams like that it you know was like kind of like oh this will be interesting it's just kind of like oh this is weird it's just like them in an empty room i don't know <laughs> yeah yeah I, yeah again like i, I agree I, I totally um 
I, I totally respect people doing it and keep, keep it up, you know, absolutely. But I just, for me, I'm not really as big into it. So I kind of, um, I was contemplating at one time being like Santa Glenn, like, Hey, maybe we should put together like a, a festival or something online. And then I kind of thought about it. And I was like, yeah, you know, honestly, like, <laughs> it's like, I, <laughs> to be, just to be perfectly honest, I, I don't think I'd really feel like putting all the work that like a festival would require yeah into, like, into something that i'm not really that into but ra- i mean instead like i don't know i'd probably rather just uh do a podcast you know, wait. <laughs> yeah yeah get an audience yeah i i don't know yeah it's like a need yeah i need the i know that they've, they've come up some really cool ways of doing that and like chat rooms and stuff like that and all this other stuff but i just yeah the like the actual physical in-person thing is just yeah, I mean, obviously, you just can't duplicate it. Yeah, I mean, that's that, that really is crucial to it. Because, yeah, like, a lot of these, it's it's like, I some of them are for charity and stuff, and that's cool. Yeah. But, that's but like, yeah, a lot of them, it's just kind of like, I beyond a desire to perform, which I also totally understand, I but beyond that, I don't see the purpose for a lot of them. Uh, you know, I mean, I don't know, I... That's, I guess you could say the same thing about in-person shows. That It's just like, I don't know, it's just people playing music because they want to, which I guess yeah. that, that is what a show is. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Uh, yes, yeah, just, uh, well, I guess I have one last question for you. Okay. Uh, and actually, Glenn, you can answer this too, or just kind of throwing it out there. It's like, so as we're talking about shows, um, which do you prefer, playing a show or going to a show? Oh, playing a show. Okay. Every every time. I mean, I like going to shows. Don't get me wrong. You know, obviously, but yeah. yeah I mean, I the best experience for me is is playing a show. I mean, there was a time when I was in like four or five different bands at the same time, and it was just it was just a great experience of just like every night going to a show and and playing the show i, I don't know it's just like yeah I, I always i that's that's the ultimate experience to me like playing shows i mean extending that to touring like that is that's the ultimate like that is that's my favorite experience <laughs> okay awesome yeah yeah no, that's right I, yeah i can i i would have to agree with uh with you there con i yeah there's I'm just lucky enough to be able to even, you know, be on stage, I feel. So, you know, that's, that's amazing, but definitely, you know, that that's relatively, actually, no, it is kind of weird. I've been playing shows for longer than I was going to shows. So yeah, but maybe like five, five or five years ago, I'd probably say going to shows just because, you know, who knows, but playing shows is a blessing okay i yeah. uh, mean like you've been playing like longer like the amount of time from now to when you first played your played a show is longer yeah, than from the then actually okay. going to shows yep i was like i was like wait a second i missed something here have you played longer than you've gone what <laughs> 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 you played the first show you uh, yeah, no, I, 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 was, I was born playing a show. <laughs> yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm playing shows, but I'm not playing shows, don't you know? 
I was playing yeah, in the womb. <laughs> yeah, I played at the womb before it was a uh, house. <laughs> oh, it's kind of funny that. What about you, Chris? Like the womb, and then they would have called it the ER. Sort of, like, oh, yeah. you know, I mean, sort of like, I never like, and it, you know what I mean? That you could be coming out of the womb to the hospital. <laughs> someone could have gone to the ER and you'd be in one building together. I don't know. <laughs> yep. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I don't know. Was Wait, the womb was the ER? I, don't, I was going to say, I don't know if I ever played at the womb. Yeah, the, it, so like, yeah, the womb was the, yeah, the, so you, yeah, the ER, uh, I think, I'm not sure what year it became the ER, but it was the womb before oh, that. Oh, okay. And it was uh, something else way before, like, I think, like, Sam Trakis, I think, played, like, his first show, one of his first shows at the house, the house there, but it wasn't called the womb, and this was, like, 2004 or something. Oh, wow. Uh, he, he told, we were talking about that with him. Um, I forget where I heard that because I remember bringing it up to him, but but it was called something else, and then I think it became a frat at some point or something, and then became when then went back to like a show house and it was the womb, or I'm sure there's stuff in there that I can't remember. I mean, when I first went there, it was the womb, yeah, and then it was like 2014 or something, but yeah, so maybe I did go there when I was the womb, I just don't remember. I that was the thing, was like also like we were talking about that time period, there were just so many house venues that like sometimes I just right. lose track. Yeah. Okay. Real quick before you guys, this is kind of a funny story, but I, um, I remember uh, this dude. It's like I apparently met some dude at like a house show, but I never, I didn't realize that. And then like I, I you know, either I friend requested him or he friend requested me, and then I just sort of like I and, and like I, you know, whatever. We were friends on Facebook. I remember talking about times on Facebook, and uh, I finally saw him at a show one time. And we were talking in a bunch, and then like he like I didn't realize this that I had mm -hmm. met him before at like at a house show, and like I, I didn't even like remember that at all. I just remembered like knew him from Facebook, you know what I mean? But it just kind of goes to show you just I used like it's just this sort of blur of all these different, and I, I I didn't even know like I once he brought it up, like I hadn't even really remembered the the house at all. But when he brought it up, it like all came back to me. You know? Yeah. Oh yeah, I mean that time definitely. It's like when I say it's a blur, I don't mean that in like the like boomer like whoa the sixties were a blur man sort of way. But like it, it's like it was just a blur because there was just so much going on in so many places and meeting so many new people that yeah, like there'll be things that I find out about like oh yeah, like I I, I you know I we had that experience in like twenty twelve and then I didn't see you again until twenty seventeen or so, you know what I mean? I don't know. It's, yeah. No. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. No, I know exactly what you mean. It really, it is like that too. And especially with like a lot of houses where they, sometimes the they can look like similar or the basements be really similar. So it, it's, yeah. you know, sometimes so it's hard to keep track. Or like houses will, yeah, like will be a venue and then not be a venue and then be a venue again a few years later. And it's like, oh, wait, I went to this house. <laughs> it's like, this yeah. was called something else like three years ago. Yeah. Right. Well, that's, yeah, exactly. There was um, this house, Ted House in Alston. That oh, yeah, I've heard was, of that. Yeah, we did a show. And, like, it was, 
I never went to it before, but it, I remember the name, but it was Twin Towers in like 2000. Yes, that's exactly what I was thinking of. Because, yeah, because yeah. Food Masters, you played there like last year or something. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And I, yeah, I was at that show and I remember being like, oh, wait, I remember going to this venue. That was actually, yeah, that was one of the first nights that I like hung out with Sam Patricus and all that. I remember he put on a show at Twin Towers. And I, yeah, and I was like, oh, yeah. wow, I've been here before, but it was a different name. Yeah. And apparently it was a different name even before that in like 2003 or something or whatever. Oh, wow. Yeah. A show house is a show house for life. Yeah. <laughs> once a show house, Until always it's a show house. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Once, yeah. Yeah. Show house for life when it is and then forgotten about when it's not. Yep. <laughs> well, so they had, so they had Ted House. Do you think someday they'll ever they'll be a dead house? Where it's just dead covers, covers all the time. That's interesting. I, I mean, on the first point, I would be shocked if there hasn't been a house venue somewhere in the country called Dead House. <laughs> yeah. uh, and on the second point, yeah, that would be interesting to have like a dead themed. I mean, I'm sure there are places that have a similar vibe. Yeah. To that, I mean, the White House kind of had a, had a, a dead. Thing to it for a little bit like it was very before I moved in it was like very much a hippie place um but like yeah I don't know it'd be it'd be interesting especially because like a that's so specifically a one band thing that it, <laughs> it would lend itself to like cover bands and stuff where it's like usually the prime or a prime motive usually for cover bands is like playing out for like money or drinks or something which would be a be a weird uh a weird scenario for a house venue, but yeah, I'd be it'd be interesting. I'd like to see it happen. <laughs> yeah, maybe someday. Um, so yeah, uh, anything else you want to add before we uh, say goodbye? Uh, not really. Thanks so much for you know for for reaching out and for talking. It was great talking to you guys and talking about all this stuff. And and yeah, it, always great to to talk to you guys you guys are some of like the the, the purest the purest heads in the scene where it's you know it's like you always see you guys at everything you're always open to everything and kind of yeah just always can be trusted to be doing the right thing i guess is how i'll put it oh damn uh that thanks appreciate yeah. it but damn it's a what a, what a what a crazy yeah. world we live in. <laughs> We're the trusted ones. <laughs> but I'll take it. I appreciate it. Like and likewise, you know. And oh, I yeah. guess same to we, you. Yeah, we, we've always had a kinship. I think the same reason because you, you know, can say the same thing about you as well. So. Well, thanks. Yeah, of course. And again, it was great catching up with you. It was, it was same. Awesome. Same. Yep, hope to see you sooner than later. Yeah, yeah exactly. de definitely hope to whenever it's whenever it's plausible to do that again. I'd love to love to hang out. Absolutely. Absolutely. Thanks again, Connor. Have Thank a great you. night. You too. Yep. Have a good night.